Hello, and welcome to Hazardous Opinions. I'm Eric. This is Andy. Hello. And today we are covering Call of Cthulhu. It is a survival horror game developed by Cyanide and Saber Interactive and published by Focus Entertainment. Yeah, so Cyanide is the makers behind a lot of sports games, so they're not too well known for the uh, Lovecraftian community. Uh, They did a lot of stuff like like the Tour de France and pro cycling games. Uh, they also made stuff like Sticks, which is a pretty decent game, and stuff like Blood Bowl and other games like that. But uh, this is kind of their first development into like a actual horror game, from what I could tell of, of their stuff. Yeah. It looks pretty cool, though, and uh, they uh, they did well for their first outing into horror. Oh, yeah, this is actually... Uh one of the better survival games that I've played or survival horror games. Yeah. The puzzles in this game are actually like top tier. They actually make you think and they are actually like, they're hard enough to not make you too, too frustrated with them, but they are also easy enough to actually get a grasp of like what's going on. It's like more of like uh use your surroundings to, well, just like any puzzle, really. It's like a detective skill kind of thing. And I really appreciate that. I haven't really seen many games do it. It's like put two and two together. Yeah, we don't see uh, good detective work in games too often. And I actually initially thought that this was the game um, developed by Frogwares, but I was incorrect. The people who did uh, Sherlock. But because uh, it had a lot of similarities in the detective style. Yeah. The game turned out really well. It uh, released in October 2018, right in time for spooky season. Uh, it dropped on all platforms. I think it dropped at a crisp, crisp $60, but you can find it pretty cheap anywhere now. It wasn't the biggest commercial success, but it uh, still did good for the fans of that, that genre. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't really poorly rated either. I mean, at least now. I mean... Steam rates it a 7 out of 10. IGN rated it a 8.6 out of 10. So it rated pretty well, and I I agree with those statements. It's a, it's a good game. Yeah, and that's even with my love for Lovecraft and all horror aspects. Uh, it's probably around where the game sits for me is 8, 8.5, probably agreeing with IGN there. Yeah, I think so too. I, I think a solid 8, it would be good for me. Because uh, I really enjoyed this. Uh, it was it was quite a trip. It, like not a whole lot of games will actually uh, take you through this insanity trip like this game does. Because you can't really trust anything you're seeing or any of the people you meet. And there's like huge twists that go on through this that all depend on what kind of skills you have and what you're able to reveal throughout the story which i can really appreciate that the the mechanics with the the points or the skill system in this game is like really cool uh you don't really see very many uh tabletop 
themed, well, I guess it's like a tabletop RPG kind of skill allocation, which uh, you get by progressing through the story. You don't have to do certain things to get skill points. It's all, it's all depending on what you put those points into that depend on where you can land at the end of the game. Well, they do do the thing, not necessary for you to like succeed at the game, but if you want, there's different books around the game that will give you additional skill points, usually. In, oh, like, yes. Yes, yes. So, I forgot about those. A little, bit of a, a little bit of a bonus if, you, if you'd like. Yeah, so uh, there is two, two of those skills that require those type of things, right? It yes. was the medical and the occultism. Occultism. Yeah. So depending on how much you know about occultism and medical, you're able to solve certain scenarios according to what you find in the world. Usually with the medical, it's uh, finding medical books laying around and occultism is like a variation of things. It seems like the more you uh, get involved, I guess, with what the cult is doing, the the more you're going to learn about it. Yeah, reading a lot of the uh, the cursed books as well. Yes, yeah, and the cursed books are uh, catch twenty two also because you read them, you have the potential of going insane, but you also get the knowledge of occultism to be able to uh, solve certain scenarios, which is really cool. Indeed, yeah. So this game is pretty short, I think. It clocks around six to eight, even though a Google search will tell you 12 to 15. But I I guess it depends on how much time you're spending on the puzzles, because my first playthrough definitely could have been 12, 13. But subsequent playthroughs, I think you can run through this game and maybe even six. Yeah. If you knew what you were doing and how to solve the puzzles, it would easily be like a five or six hour game. Yeah, it's it's pretty straightforward, actually, on on replaythroughs. I think it's just those initial puzzles that that bring you all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool because uh, they're real brain teasers because a lot of it is investigating certain areas. Like you'll get thrown into a certain area and you have to, I mean, you play as a private detective, so you have to detect. So you have to run around and find things to detect. And uh, not all of it is straightforward. So you actually have to, you know, take your time and actually look for things, which kind of threw me off at first it kind of frustrated me because like oh my god there's something here i have to find and i can't find (laughs) it but then once you do find it then you have to solve a certain puzzle to end the level or in in some scenarios uh most case scenario you're just trying to get out of the room kind of like an escape room that that's what a lot of the puzzles reminded me of was escape rooms yeah i'd say there's there's two different types there's like your standard puzzles where like there's the the big bell that you have to swing through the door near the end. But yep. there's also the reconstruction scenes where you're basically just finding evidence and you're piecing things together. So there's two two kind of different types there. Yeah. The reconstruction scenes were pretty cool to see. The only thing I didn't like about that is uh, trying to find certain items that weren't really related to anything that was going on. They're just kind of bonus but I see that little question mark at the bottom left of my screen, and I'm determined to find whatever there is to find in this reconstruction scene. And uh, some of them aren't easy to find, but no, it's uh, it's it's cool to do, though. I mean, 
it's a minor inconvenience. Yeah, and that's where your inv- investigation skill actually ties in, helping you find these like hidden objects and stuff in those those scenes as well. So everything kind of does a part to helping you out. There's also a strength skill, if we didn't mention that. There's just there's so many scenarios, but nothing is like a like a brick wall if you don't have a certain skill, because you're guaranteed to be leveled enough in one skill to do an alternate path. So yep. you don't really hit any hard walls anywhere. Yeah, no hard walls, which is, uh, I, I suppose it makes for a more organic gameplay, I guess. More organic yeah. to you, uh, per se. So uh, let's say if you were uh, role-playing as this detective and you're like, okay, I'm kind of going to allocate these skills to how I would be if I were a detective. So you would do that and you play through the game, developing the certain skills that you would as if you were this detective. And mm-hmm. there's some scenarios that you wouldn't pass, but there's also alternate like paths that go just because you didn't do that, which is nice. It's more of like a a D&D style uh, play. It's more of a tabletop RPG kind of stuff, which is nice. Yeah, yeah, this game is very romanticized into the tabletop elements, and I really love that. But they also give that general video game feel where they don't want to lock you out of certain things just because you didn't allocate certain skill points. So it kind of walks you through, like there's nothing where it's like, oh shit, I didn't get enough strength, and now this person's going (laughs) to die (laughs) <laughs> or I'm going to miss out on this part of the game. Like, yeah. You, you get there somewhere else. There's nothing that really locks you out anywhere. So it's it's good. Yeah. And um, I'm kind of glad for that, too. It's more of a choice-based system on why things happen instead of, like, what skills you have in order to get a certain outcome. Because, uh, yeah, that would suck if I didn't have enough investigative skills or enough strength that one of the characters that I really liked in that game just died because of it. Not saying that's like makes for bad gameplay, but uh, no. it just kind of sucks to see, you know I mean? It, it makes you disappointed. It's like, Oh, I should have done this it makes you regret doing something, but this game doesn't really make you regret doing anything that you did. It just, it, it makes you uh, think about, well, how would have this has gone? Well, it would have happened either way, but in any sense, the consequences aren't dire if you don't allocate certain skills into certain trees. Yeah. And, and you definitely don't know that for your first playthrough. That, no. Uh, and there, there's no way to know. And it's still a great story no matter what you do, which I really appreciate. Yep. Yeah. So there's there's 14 chapters in this game overall and four different endings. Tried to notate where I can, where chapter breaks were, but they were, what do you call them? Like... Uh, blending together yeah it's like it's just a quick load screen into a thing and then it's just like oh i'm on the next chapter it doesn't even show you like a specific title card for a new chapter so it's really hard to keep track of those unless you're paying attention to every load screen right and that's uh you know us being reviewers that would be something that would be good for us to know but like in a general sense if you're playing the game i wouldn't say it's like too essential. I mean, because it all kind of blends together anyways. It's just like sometimes when you're at the loading screen, when you're loading into a new place, then it'll say the what chapter you're on. And yep. uh, that that's, I mean, it'll suffice. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing uh, dire about it. It's mostly just for, for our end here for, 
for naming out chapters so people can follow along. But uh, yeah, so some of the biggest pros in this game come from the tabletop style elements. Not only the dialogue system just makes you feel pretty free. Like it's, it's not a really constrained dialogue system like your average RPG would be like your uh, yes, no, and whatever two other options follow for would be like sarcastic and <laughs> something. Yeah. They're, they're really good options. There's always opportunities for you to investigate more, for you to learn more about people, to just, yeah, figure out more stuff. The, the, the dialogue tree is really good. And yeah. as you said, the skill tree is also really nice. Yeah, one thing I liked about uh, the dialogue options is that if you do certain things before you initiate dialogue, I don't know how much this changes, whether you do it or not, but uh, sometimes after you do like a reconstruction scene, you'll have a bunch of unlock dialogue options. Like it'll have a little unlock symbol on it and then you'll be able to say it because you found it out through the investigation. Or you found something in the room before you talk to somebody, then you'll uh, you'll have the dialogue option unlocked for that too. Yeah, stuff like that I'll really appreciate. And it's um, so it's not an open world game; it's kind of linear, but you have your freedom to roam around each chapter type of thing. So you can always go back and talk to people as long as they're in the chapter with you, uh, whatever location you're at. Yeah. And so if you found more stuff, you can always go talk to them again and see if it unlocked any new dialogue and none of that dialogue really brings you any closer to the end, but for your own personal knowledge of the story, a lot of these tidbits that help make up the entire story aren't given to you through the main narrative. Like the stuff about the mysterious catch that we're going to talk about. You really have to go talk to different sailors. You have to look at paintings, read books, stuff like that. And to actually get the whole story. Really? I actually didn't know that. I always like I guess it was like kind of headcanon that the well when I first are we are we going into like uh spoiler territory yet or I'd like to talk a little bit more about the generals before we delve into that. Okay. Yeah. We'll we'll go into the mysterious catch more later. All right. But yeah, there with the mysterious catch like I knew at a certain part that that was related to that. I didn't know that that was something like in order to talk to other people about it, I didn't know that was other things you had to explore to find out in order to, uh, in order to put that together. Yep. And they, I can't remember a hundred percent certain, but they might give you kind of the ending of what that arc was, but it, it does really pay to like research into it and, and go see everything and talk to people. And, uh, Oh, sorry. Miraculous catch, not mysterious. Yeah. But yeah, I also really enjoy the fact that there's multiple endings. I think not only for a tabletop uh, type of thing, but just as video games in general. I like the ability to have a slightly different playthrough than the buddy next to me or something like that. It just adds for a little bit more of diversified experience. It does. Yeah, it gives you something to talk about like we are now. Yeah, indeed. The last big point I have for this game as a pro is the horror sections. So this game does not stand up as a whole compared to like some of my other favorites for the horror genre, 
but some of the specific sections in this game are just they're fantastic and are some of the like biggest horror pieces that I've played in games just as a as a whole the game doesn't add up uh for the spooks I think there's a lot of chapters where they drop it off in favor of yeah. some of the weird introduced mechanics um <laughs> but for for the most part uh, th- this game stands up really well uh, especially those those few horror sections they just really hit yeah i agree with you on that there is some points where yeah there was some points in the story where i was like wow this this game just really isn't scary and then like all of a sudden they just dialed it up to 11 and then right. it makes you real shook and then after that it like nothing else really you like you kind of expect more of that like when you get introduced with something that scary you're expected like i expect the game to give me more of that in like maybe different forms throughout the rest of the game yeah but exactly yeah it didn't really seem like that was the case throughout that not saying that that's a bad thing uh i really appreciate the different the the whole theme of the story was investigating anyways so it's not like I uh, was expecting the whole scary shit to be happening the entire game, but I kind of was, you know, like it, it was just kind of a, a let down in that end because uh, there was just it, it dialed it up to 11 and then it dialed it back to like five and then it just kind of never went back up to 11. So, yeah, for sure. There's definitely like a scary chapter in here that we'll get to and then you'll get to a chapter or two after that that is just talking and investigation. And it's like, okay, where did all that suspense and fear go? And then exactly. jump right back into a horror section again. So it's a, it's, it's a weird tango, but uh, it, it works well overall. It does not the smoothest, but it's it is what it is. And it's, I enjoy it. It was more of a suspenseful spook more than anything. Jump stairs here and there, but kind of rare. Uh, the suspense was kind of heavy on some points too. So I, I'm not going to discredit that the suspense is like really well done in this game for sure. Yes. Especially near the latter half of the game. I, I think the game yeah. picks up really well when stuff just starts going off the rails. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd, I'd like to get into some of the cons as well here before we dive into the story. Okay. This game was, Slash is plagued with a lot of graphical errors. I've seen graphical bugs in my multiple multiple playthroughs of this game more than I would like. And then faces kind of just look rough in this game. Yeah. Like, I don't know if it's the, the sinking of the lips or something like that. Just faces don't do well in this game. It's, it kind of, uh, I think it's the art style. Yeah. The art style uh, is kind of akin to dishonored in a way i would think that's what it reminded me of anyways it's uh it's it's obvious that they weren't trying to go for like super realism with the art style but it is like kind of uh weird with some of these character models and how they look like i instantly noticed that officer bradley just had resting bitch face (laughs) the entire time yeah, he's he's one of the main culprits of uh, not not the greatest motion capture or I'm not sure what kind of program they use for this game for animation or whatever. And yeah, it's 
it's okay. It's passable. It is. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. It's uh, it's kind of the art style as well, like you said. The art style, the the animations, they they. I don't know. It doesn't strike me as a strong suit, but not not to say that the people look weird, but the creatures in this game are very well done. Yeah, yeah, I definitely cannot discount that the creatures in this game and just the um, the art scenes as a whole, like the the sky boxes are perfectly well done. And some of the physical environments around here are just some some really good stuff that you would see in like like a D&D handbook or something like that. It's really good looking stuff. It's just when you you close up on those faces. Yeah. And uh, in addition to that, uh, those graphical errors you were talking about. Yeah, I kind of noticed that right away. Uh, Right at the beginning when he was in that nightmare or whatever, I saw the fog. And it was just like, it looked like an overlay over everything. <laughs> and uh, I thought it was my brightness at first. So I adjusted my brightness, put it a little lower or something. I thought it was too bright, maybe. And I adjusted it and it still popped up. Like it was just, it was like, it was kind of annoying to see because like, I I really don't like the little, uh, the clouds of whatever just floating around as I'm walking through them. Like, I don't know. I, I, I it is a game and, and they're hard to make and I understand, but uh I feel like it, it could have been done a little better. No, completely agree with you there. The game's just a little rough around the edges, but not not anything that detracts from the story. No. Some of the more mechanical stuff that I think could have been done better is the stealth is pretty poor. Oh my god. Slapped on type of oh, system. Yeah. Yeah, that was my like a lot of the pitfalls that I ran into with this game was the stealth because the detection system uh, doesn't really work for me because I get like being out in the open, you get spotted, right? But if you're going to have like detectors at all, like give me a little more time to react rather than just like, oh, they see you. They're, that's where they see you. That's it. You, you better run now. <laughs> <laughs> the detector only pops up when they see you. And yeah. It's just a level of how alerted they are to you. Either way, exactly. they see you. They see you and uh, most likely there's not even a place to hide when they do see you. So it's like <laughs> a lot of fails going on there. Yeah. And uh, you can't like when you're hiding in closets, your character just starts panicking so you can't be in there for very long. So it makes me wonder what the point of them are at all. Because like how like also when they're coming to investigate where they are, they move so slow, right? Before <laughs> they go back to what they're doing. I'm in this closet freaking the fuck out, having a panic attack, and you're over here just like, oh, what was that? Uh must have been investigating. Must have been the wind, and then they leave. Meanwhile, I'm just like losing my sanity in this closet. <laughs> that uh, that leads me into my my other mechanical feature that I wish I could have seen more of is the phobias. So this game was advertised in a way that, hey, you do scary stuff in this game; those things are going to stick with you. Yep. At least that's how I remember the advertising of this game. But it's not really like that. Like it seems like Pierce, who's our main detective has claustrophobia throughout the whole game, 
has PTSD from, uh, he was a veteran and he's already got alcoholism. Those things are present with him at the start of the game. There's no like progression of getting phobias throughout this game. It's just, yeah, you have what you have and sometimes you can exacerbate it, but yeah. Oh, so he had claustrophobia. Was that mentioned? It's it's not specifically mentioned, but but like the things you mentioned, like uh, getting in a closet, he starts freaking out right away. Like there's no build up to that. Like anytime you're in an enclosed space, he does not like it. Like from the get go, it's not a oh. progression of. It's not like oh shit, he uh, went into a closed closed space for too long, and then something scary happened in there. Yeah, and so he didn't like it from that on. At least from my experience with the game, it, it, it kind of seemed like it was just all the way through. Yeah, it it definitely was. I agree with you on that. And uh, another thing with the phobias, like I expected to see, like there's a whole page dedicated to your mental traumas, yeah. and you look through them, but they are they more serve as uh, like a story beat uh, tracker exactly page than actual like uh gameplay mechanics like i thought it'd be cool that i don't know how it would have been implemented but every time if you get caught by uh guards or something and you somehow escape then you have like a mental trauma of like i don't know how that'd be traumatic exactly but like then you'd have like a new phobia of like being spotted or something so Maybe he starts to freak out every time, you know, he gets almost detected. I think that would be really cool. It adds a little spice to it. Just a little zest. Yeah, a little zest. Yeah. Yeah, I think maybe this game would have to be quite a bit longer to, like, fully develop that kind of thing. Because there wasn't a lot of scenarios where you're going to be in a claustrophobic scenario. But, yeah, I mean, there could have been done more with it. Or maybe don't, don't advertise it. The way you did? <laughs> yeah. It just felt Seems misleading. like that was a the route there they wanted to do, but maybe it was like a scoping issue. Maybe they just wanted to do it, but they didn't have time to actually implement all these things. So they just kind of yeah. half-baked it. Yep. Another thing with the advertising I seen when I was uh, reading some pre-release developer reviews and stuff like that, They talked about how this game is like, oh, you're going to meet friends or enemies along the way. And maybe those allies that you meet, you'll like go into their body at some point type of thing. Like you'll get to play as them a little bit. Yeah. Which is like true, but also like not like it's not like who you choose. Like you're going into those certain bodies no matter what in this game. Yeah. So it it doesn't really, it was definitely a lack of agency going on there when you, uh, went into other people's bodies. Uh, I was a bit confused by it at first. I didn't know what the hell was going on. I, I just, all of a sudden I popped into somebody else's body and I was playing as them doing their thing. And it was, it was a cool part. Uh, all the, all the parts, of those parts were really cool. I agree. I mean, don't get me wrong. But the fact that they advertised it as, oh, you, you get to make friends and then you get to go into their bodies or whatever. Like you have a connection with them. So they made it seem like you have to develop a friendship with them in order to be able to, uh, you know, take over their body, which (laughs) sounds wild, first of all. (laughs) But second of all, it sounds really cool. But also it's expected when you hear that, that you you have an agency over 
you know, who you want to take over um, and what you want to do with them. But yeah, there is yeah. none of that going on. I agree. It's on like a ragged on the game a lot. There's definitely some graphical errors and some mechanical things I wish would be better. But this game overall is one of my favorites of all time. Definitely in its genre, top. Like top tier. Really? Top tier stuff. Like for, for Lovecraftian, sorry. Not as oh. not as horror, not as horror as a whole. Oh, I was gonna say. <laughs> definitely stuff like Outlast and Alien Isolation, stuff like that will always be up there in the top three. Yeah. But this game, like for what it does for like for madness, I should say, and for the Lovecraftian element is oh, yeah. top, top of its tier. Yeah. And no. tabletop elements as well. I agree. And um especially after watching In the Mouth of Madness. <laughs> this game was uh i felt that i felt familiar with this world actually knowing a bit about the whole lovecraftian universe and uh i i actually really enjoyed that part because like you know you being a fan of lovecraft and actually reading the books and stuff and like you know indulging in the media and stuff like i'm sure like this game was just top tier because everything seemed like canonically correct to what Lovecraft would have wanted. Yeah, there's there's definitely a lot of love put in this game. There's no doubt about that. The writers of this definitely knew their stuff. They put in a lot of really good references and just it's really good all around. So yeah. if you're uh if you're a Lovecraft fan, if you're horror. just a horror fan in general, yeah, like I think this game is worth checking out at current price. Like below twenty bucks is like that's that's a good deal for this game. Yeah, and to say that this game was released at sixty dollars, I mean, do you agree with that? I don't know if I agree with that. Just saying, me, me on my opinion, it's a good game, but I don't know if it's like a sixty dollar experience. Yeah, it, I I wouldn't put it that high with how short the game is, and there's not a guaranteed amount of re- replayability. Yeah, it's definitely not 60. Yeah, I mean, 40 maybe, but I mean, at the current price, I mean, no doubt. Check it out. Yeah, for sure. And uh, grab it on disc because that fucking cover art is bomb. It is. I really like that. Uh, Yeah, you can get it for $24 at Walmart, which is pretty fucking good. Yeah. Or $20 for Xbox One. Or you can borrow it from a friend like I did. Yeah. Or it's <laughs> been in the games with gold, I believe. So just keep up on your games with gold. Yep. Yeah. And with that, I think we should take a little bit of a break here before we uh, delve into the story. Absolutely. Don't skip the ads. But perhaps you will attempt to change your destiny. Welcome. 
welcome back. I hope you enjoyed those spooky ads. Yeah. We're going to be getting into the story now. Yes, so sir. With the, uh, the chapter one. So we start off the game. Uh, we're playing as Edward Pierce. He's a private investigator. The game takes place, I assume, 1910s, 1920s. I didn't find an exact date as I was playing. But at least past World War One, because he's a veteran. And then somewhere probably around the 20s because we're in Prohibition. Oh, yeah. So it's got to be around the 20s. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we start off the game in this hauntingly dark. It, it was very green uh, cave. Uh, we're wandering through the cave a little bit and we kind of get like a tutorial of our movements and what kind of things are, you know, your your usual tutorial type stuff. And we find a little lantern in the cave on our way. And we arrive at some uh, grizzly whale carcasses. And then we start to hear this weird, mysterious voice in our ears that will be uh, pretty consistent throughout the game. Yeah, we don't know what the voice is, but I should add, this is also another one of those moments like what Metro did and what a lot of movies and media does where it shows a section of this is a section of the game that happens later on, but they're showing it at the beginning. Yes. So the big difference here where I feel like it's more okay is this was a vision and it's tied better into the story rather than like Metro or uh, in the mouth of Madness just saying, Hey, like (laughs) whatever. I can't remember what their excuse was. You just woke up in your bed. Like, like it was some sort of dream that was just, yeah yeah that that's that's a good point and it makes more sense than just being like hey you want to know how we led up to this point well let me show you and uh yeah <laughs> so you're wondering how i got here <laughs> yeah but you, well it all starts back when i was nine years old yeah yeah i was abused and then i became an alcoholic probably and after I was the war molested by cthulhu and that really traumatized me he touched me Make that uh, sweet uh, hentai, I guess. Oh, yeah. Tentacle hentai. That's what this game is all about. (laughs) So anyways, so you're going through this dark cave with the voice in your ear and you're exploring. You have to find some bolt cutters to get through the gate. And then you, you it's just like there's not a whole lot that happens here, but. Uh, you explore the caves until you find a cop about to shoot this guy that has like tentacles for arms. He has his hood up. He looks really creepy. At this point, we're we're sucked into the cutscene of that. Yeah. Yeah. And so they're in the middle of a ritual. Yeah, these weird fucking Voldemort looking figures that don't have faces because we don't know who they are yet but we will learn who they are later in the game. I think then, that also has something to do with it being a dream though. Cause you ever have dreams and then like, you know, there's people, but they don't have faces. Like, is that, is that just me or is that a common thing? I don't know. I can't say I've personally experienced that. Oh, well, I, I've, I've definitely had them in my dreams and I've also seen like movies and, uh, TV shows that also 
have this in there where they're in dreams mm -hmm. and uh, they like the characters in those dreams, they don't have faces. So hmm. it's, it's almost like your mind can't really produce what's on their, like the face, I guess, but you like, you, you can either know who it is. Maybe they look familiar or seem familiar, but you don't know who they are because you can't see their face. And it's, it's kind of unsettling, but yeah. And I, I mean, you can't, you can't dream of a face you've never seen. Exactly. So, so and it's weird to have somebody in your dream that you've never met before, but somehow they seem familiar. I don't know yeah. if you relate to that. Just like a passerby or something that you yeah. remembered enough to put in your dream. Yeah, it's weird. But anyways, uh, they don't have faces. And the guy that has the tentacle arms, he just grabs the cop and stabs him with his tentacles. Or was it with the tentacles? Or does he have like a, a yeah. sword hand or something? As far as I was aware, he uh, just kind of like, you know, tentacled him up and made tentacled him up. Tentacled him up. So he tentacled him up and then killed his ass. And then uh, after that, you wake just, up in. Yeah. Uh, he like turns your... to us and yeah, we wake up. Yeah. He's coming after us. We start running away and uh, then we wake up in in the office. Yeah. In our uh, cold sweat, we were probably uh, a little hungover. Yeah. And we're in our <laughs> little. Uh, Class yeah, Pierce is like, I I hate drinking. And I'm like, <laughs> well, I love drinking. And then I went over to the nearest glass and then just took a drink. <laughs> oh, jeez. I, I know why you got your ending. <laughs> yeah, that's that's why I got my ending. I am an alcoholic. He did not, not learn really. at all from Metro. <laughs> <laughs> I did not. Yeah, so, so there's, as we said, there's four different endings to this. So your actions do come into play of what kind of endings you get the choice of at the end. Yeah, and that was my first experience discovering that because as soon as I took a swig from the alcohol, I, I see a little thing pop up on the top left screen. It says, this will affect your destiny. I'm like, what? Oh, yeah. I just took one drink. The old ones will remember that. Yeah, the, <laughs> we already have what's in store for you because you took that drink. <laughs> yeah, so we get to find out a little bit more about ourselves looking around the... The room here, it's it's your classic like PI office. Like I don't know where I get this impression from, but I feel like it's all over media. Like Bioshock Infinite has like the exact same office. Like the Always. little uh, the your blinds. name on the door. You have the blinds. It's got the little uh, half see through. Like you can see people's shapes through the door window. Yep. Like that yep. that old hickory door or whatever it is, and yeah. And there's just the file cabinets and books everywhere and all yeah. that. Very classic PI room. So yep. yeah, we found out he's an alcoholic. We uh, we get a phone call and it's a switchboard operator. Also giving us another hint that we're kind of pre like industrial revolution type of thing. Yeah. Or pre World War II. And so she's basically our vault tech representative and she's asking <laughs> us to, uh, to put in our skill points. Yep. For me, I I put my skill points mostly into eloquence and investigation because I mm. had a feeling that that was going to help me a lot throughout this. I put some into strength and then, yeah, I think that's it. Because I think you get, what was it, eight skill points? Yeah, it's something like that. You get a good chunk to start with. I believe... Yeah. 
I stirred off this playthrough, which is putting a majority into strength. Okay. <laughs> you you didn't know what kind of type of game you were getting into, so I, I can understand that. <laughs> the uh, lady on the phone then starts to talk to us about the narrative more. She's like, hey, you haven't been taking many cases. Pierce kind of gives her some excuses about there not being work, and she's like, there's plenty of work for PIs. You uh, better start taking some cases or the agency's going to fire you. So she hangs up and we get a mysterious knock at the door. A new client. Yeah. So what was the name of the client again? Yeah, it is Stephen Webster. Stephen Webster. Yeah, the father of Sarah Hawkins. Yeah, and he comes in. So his daughter, Sarah Hawkins, is missing for the most part. Well... Believed it was said that she was time. died. Yeah, it was believed that she died, but he believes that there was some foul play going on there. And yep. uh, he asked you to investigate it. And he like. Edward doesn't feel like this is a good case to pick up because he feels like it's a, pretty much a cold case. Like there's yep. not really much to uh, investigate there because like she died in a fire. Her and her family died in a fire. And uh, he gave some evidence that something about her paintings. You want to explain yeah, more on that? Because she drew a painting of Pierce. And I don't that's know if that's a was. painting that Webster brings with him, but Webster does bring a painting. It with wasn't. Him no. And shows us. And I believe it's the reason that we take the case. Yeah. The painting was a painting of like a, a ship. I, oh yeah the Scylla yeah the Scylla yeah it was uh, very dark and interesting and uh, I think that's uh, what intrigued him enough to uh, take the case yeah yeah Webster convinces him so he's like yeah sure we'll take the case where is she so she's uh, she's out on this island up in upper New England called uh, Darkwater Island very very dark water <laughs> It's just like the name just still doesn't sit right with me. It's like, why would you name a, ta- a town Darkwater? And it's literally yeah. like the most ominous place you could be, too. It's it like, is. it's just I don't know if it was named because of its eeriness or it was just like, I don't know. But it was a fitting name that is just say like Darkwater is exactly what you would expect. <laughs> Yeah, so we get to we get to head out and uh, well, we get to explore our office a little bit. You can look at some books and stuff. But once we're ready, we decide to go take on the case and we take a bow out with Captain Fitzroy and we get a suspenseful little credit scene and title sequence of our arrival on Darkwater. Yeah, that so was pretty cool. I really like this intro. It's really good. Yeah, before you get the big Call of Cthulhu title card up there and. You get some credits before it. Makes you excited. Yeah, you just see the island in the distance. Yeah. So once you get on the dark water, uh, you talk with the captain a little bit. He basically sends you in the general direction of where you should go to start investigating. He mentions yeah. that so the, the Hawkins have a warehouse. Well, yep. no, nah, he said you could you could go to the bar if you want to have a drink, but uh he mainly said that the the Hawkins have a warehouse that you should investigate, but you don't know where the warehouse is. I don't know yeah. how you don't know where the warehouse is because <laughs> it's right there. But you have to, 
first of all, you have to figure out where it is. So that's what leads you to go. You go to the bar and go mm-hmm. check it out there. And I don't know what their naming conventions are here on Darkwater or how many warehouses they have, but it's called Warehouse 36, the the Hawkins warehouse. Yeah. And we do approach Officer Bradley later once we do get into the warehouse. And we're like, hey, why the fuck didn't you tell me it was in front of us the whole time? Exactly. It's it's pretty good. I got a vibe that Officer Bradley was like just not like actively trying to not cooperate with us initially yeah so i was really suspicious of him at first because like even like you go around talking to people asking about this warehouse and as soon as you start mentioning the hawkins family everybody gets all nervous so mm-hmm. i i kind of knew that they were all in on something i i mean i guess i didn't know i had a suspicion that they were all in on something but it wasn't the case but that that's the vibe I got from talking to people. Yeah. So there is some different ways to do this game. You can skip some areas. You don't have to talk to everyone or investigate everything. So me and you might have some different experiences just for, for listener awareness. Yeah. I proceeded to run upon the scene of the dead whale on the dock was my next area here after talking to Fitzroy. Yeah, I, I did that too. You, this is where I started speaking with some of the fishermen and some of the cops, uh, Sullivan and Bradley, who are arguing with the fishermen because they just want to throw the dead whale back in the water. But the fishermen say it's it's bad luck to do so. So we can kind of give our side on that and learn a little bit more about the people. Yeah. I, I just went up to Bradley and... Um... I just like I got straight to the point. I'm like, where is warehouse? Where's the Hawkins warehouse? And then (laughs) he totally dodged my question. So and then he's just like, I'm not talking to you. So I'm like, all right, whatever. So that's when I proceeded to go into the bar. Um, I didn't I didn't know you could talk to any of the fishermen, though. Or did you just overhear what they were talking about? Uh, I I meant the fishermen like right next to Bradley. Yeah, you can decide what to do about the whale. Like You can kind of convince one side or the other uh depending on your skill set oh right yeah and if you have a good medicine skill you can even look at the the dead whale and try and figure out what killed it so yeah i failed my medicine check uh i had no clue what to say about that whale (laughs) yeah i'm like yeah just i think i don't remember what i said but i'm pretty sure i told him just to get it out of here just throw it back in the ocean so I, i agreed with bradley there yep yeah, and there's there's different ways to go about it. I believe you can go straight to the warehouse. You don't even have to talk to the people in the bar if you don't want to. But there's a lot of good information there. I went in and talked to Roy Mitchell, who is our bartender there, and did some digging into the into information about the area. And he is kind of an open book to us. He just tells yep. us all the all the stuff as long as we were nice to the uh, the patron. Uh, if you were a dick, he's probably going to kick you out of the bar. Uh, I was a dick. Uh, I did not appreciate him spitting at the floor in front of me. So <laughs> I basically threatened him. And oh. the bartender is like, hey, man, don't do that. And I'm like, he had it coming. And then uh, I don't think I got much information out of him. Oh. But, so I ended up getting my uh, 
like getting my information by actually exploring dark water okay. and actually finding the warehouse on my own. Yeah, it was yeah, for the same sequence for me when the guy, I think he tried to trip you or something. Uh, or yeah, he spit at your feet or whatever you said there. Yeah. Kind of knocked him off his stool a little bit, but apologize. No, you to... slam his head into the bar. <laughs> Yeah, right in front of him. You just slam his head in there, and then I, after Whoops. that, I just instantly apologize. I'm like, "Hey, man, you, you've had... Oh no, you trip him. Oh uh, yeah, that's right. You uh, trip his stool, and then he falls and smacks his head on the the bar. I'm like, "Oh, hey, man, you, you've <laughs> had too much to drink. It's time to go home." <laughs> yeah, watch where you're going, man. Yeah, that was pretty funny. I like that. So at least in my situation, I talked to to Roy and. I believe I apologized right away to him about the being rowdy and then acknowledged that I was a veteran in the war and he was pretty open with me about information. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't able to get anything out of him. He basically said, you know, order something or whatever, just get your shit and get out. So yeah, but I, I don't think I learned anything of note from him. Like he just, he talked a lot. Yeah. Some of the sailors around this bar provided more information for me. And we also do, I know some of us play through, I've seen Algernon Drake, who is someone we'll run into later. He's drinking in the bar as well. I didn't notice him. So there's a lot of, lot of little things. I go talk to the sailors and you can find out around the bar that Sarah painted really disturbing things. And so a lot of people are creeped out by her. And you can find some more information on the the miraculous catch that uh, everyone was starving and poor. And then there's this really big catch that all of a sudden everyone had food to eat for forever. And it really made the, uh, the island prosperous. Prosperous. And the cat is in there as well, but we don't know her name at the time. And she just tells us to fuck off if we try and talk to her. She is very rude. I mean, I don't think she was ever not rude. But uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, she was very rude initially. Initial, yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. So another optional one, but I went back to Fitzroy's cabin up right by the dock. Yep. And I looked more into his office and some clues there, and then talked to Fitzroy more about. Uh, he told us about Cat, how she's just a local thug of the area. Has a lot of a lot of goons, uh, and he just told us more about the warehouse, and, and that's where I went off to then. Yeah, uh, I actually didn't know. I didn't go talk to uh, Fitzroy, and I didn't know who uh, the strange woman was or who Cat was. Yeah, but yeah, I ran into her later, and it just confused the shit out of me uh, <laughs> until she explained who she was. And uh, so there's that. So you can have context on what happens or you can not. And it's just like all entirely depends on how much you investigate. Yep. And then Fitzroy's office, there's a neat little detail. that give you some foreshadowing of the future. Uh, you can see a picture of what's kind of, I think it was labeled as Fitzroy's dad, or at least that's what Pierce assumed by how old the dates were because Fitzroy would be not even birthed by then. It was back in the 1800s uh, yeah. when the catch happened, but it was like labeled Fitzroy. 
And he's like, oh, he looks exactly like his dad. So it's a, <laughs> gives yeah. us a little bit of little hints there. Yeah. Identical. That's yeah. funny. But when you uh when you actually explore the island, which you know, you don't have to do a whole lot. Like this area is not that big. The the city of dark water isn't that big. I mean, <laughs> so you could just you can you can not talk to anybody and you would run into the warehouse eventually anyways cuz like if you had just explored everything you would find it yeah there's only really two paths to go that aren't existing buildings so exactly so yeah, and that's you know like how we said it's not a, an open world game it's pretty linear so this area is as far as you explore it so it's which isn't a whole lot, but you know, if you run around enough, like I did, you'll be able to find it. And, yep. uh, the reason I was able to find the warehouse is there was these two guys sitting out in front of the, the entrance to yep. the back, I guess, or maybe it was the front. I'm not sure they were guarding it and they wouldn't let me through. So, you know, obviously you have to find another way in. And so, uh, what I did is I went around and, tried to get into that hatch that goes down underground to get into the warehouse. Yep. Is this like the main thing you have to do? There's, I think three ways to get into the warehouse. Oh, wow. Okay. So you can go through the hatch like you can, if you figure out some puzzles. Yeah. There's also a statue on the docks that you see was vandalized and you can, um, work up some local sailors and then also bribe them with booze to distract the guards, and you can go oh, out. That's cool. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, there's multiple ways to go about it. Okay. Well, I took the lame way, and I went into the section of a warehouse where I was supposed to open this hatch, and I had to go around and find these parts uh, to... Was I had to turn a crank to open up the hatch? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's a spooky way. Yeah, I I must have. Yeah, before I even. Oh, I did. Yeah, I did. I ended up getting the hatch open and I went in there and then uh, got into the warehouse. And yep. inside the warehouse, it is. Because as you go through that, that water that you're like swimming. To yeah. Get over to the warehouse under there, you get grabbed by a tentacle and then Pierce freaks out and it's just seaweed. Oh, so it's one of those little uh, little sandy checks that you could have avoided. I don't think that I actually went in there, though, because I remember like almost getting into it. Oh, mm-hmm. now. OK, I remember. I remember how I got into the warehouse. So yes. I ended up not getting into the actual hatch before I mm-hmm. was able to get in there. Uh, cat came up with their thugs and then uh, was like, what the fuck? Why are you on my turf? And uh, I actually antagonized her and into a fight. And <laughs> I lost the fight because my strength wasn't high enough. Mm-hmm. And so I got knocked out and I woke up at the bar. And uh, or no, was it at the bar? It was at uh, Fitzroy's place or something. Yeah. And then uh, I went down into the bar and convinced her to let me in the warehouse. 
And then okay. that's when she led me into the warehouse and actually uh, got me in there. Yeah, that was the third way I couldn't think of. If you uh, ended up making it into the hatch without getting detected by cat. Yeah, you it'd be like, like I said, there's a little swim to get over to the warehouse and you would have uh, got grabbed by a tentacle, a little spooky scene. And Pierce freaks out for it a little bit before realizing it's just seaweed. So Yeah, no, I, big... I actually ended up not going into the hatch. So I was okay. in the process of doing it. That's why I thought I did it. But then it, I ended up getting caught. And it's, that's that's good she, uh, yeah, it's a big sandy loss if you go down there. Oh, really? Okay, well. Yeah, because it's your like uh, first uh, encounter with our spooky tentacled friend that we'll meet later. Yep. Yeah, yeah that's how I got in. How'd you get in? I went the, the guard way this time. Oh, what'd you do? You gotta buy some booze at the bar, and then you can bribe the sailors to distract the guards. Oh, okay. That, that's, that's a cool way to do it, though. Like yeah, there's, there's definitely a, a lot of different paths you can take to all lead to the same goal. But it's, it's nice to have that uh, opportunity. Yeah. So we get to search the warehouse a little bit and use some of our detective skills for, I think this is the first time we get to really use like our, uh, what do you call it? Is it the reconstruction? The reconstruction. Yeah. yeah. It was the first time. And uh, here we find out that uh, there was somebody that was living in here for a while. It was inhabited and uh, they left in a hurry and we didn't really find much out. Other than that, there is some paintings in there. Yeah, some spooky stuff. And... Yeah, but all around wasn't a whole lot of information we got from the warehouse. Yeah, and I don't know if this was the same for you since Cat escorted you in, but I was caught by Officer Bradley. I got like a little cutscene where he opened the front gate, which is facing the docks right away where we were standing. Yeah. And he's like, who's digging around in there? And Yeah, that happened for me, too. Yeah, so he catches us, and then Bradley sees the painting that's in there, and he's like, that's supposed to be burned up in the house. Like, how did that get down here? Yeah. So this is kind of how we convince Bradley to come with us up to the actual Hawkins mansion. Uh, first, we try to tell him that uh, to tell us where it is, and he does, but he yeah. offers to go up, go with us. Uh, because of the housekeeper there they're actually like they know each other and i guess they're good friends and he knows that the housekeeper's a little crazy so he wants to make sure everything's okay when you go up there so he offers to go with to actually like handle him or whatever when she ends up not doing shit anyways but <laughs> yeah. yeah bradley on the drive kind of tells us how close silas was uh he's the the groundskeeper up at the hawkins mansion how close he was to the family and that Silas was pretty broken up once they all died. So he's uh, been pretty protective of the property to say the least as we'll see. We, uh, I investigated a little bit. I looked through the cemetery, stuff like that. You can mosey around as much as you want, but when you're ready to continue, you can head up to the mansion entrance door, trying to mix words there. And once we attempt to open that main door is when Silas swings at us with an axe. And then we, uh, well, at least I talked him down. There's different endings to this 
encounter as well and then he oh, was wow. in the house yeah i was able to talk him down too but i was more mad that the whole reason we brought bradley with us was to deal with this guy <laughs> and then he almost ends up killing us yeah bradley doesn't fucking do a whole lot for us. he's he is so useless there like there's other times too and i'll mention it that like like you you depend on him to be there but he's just fucking useless. He doesn't pay attention yeah. to anything. I don't want to scuff up my uniform. Yeah. Like, we'll fuck s- you. <laughs> yeah, so we entered the mansion with Bradley, and there was a light that was curiously left on. So it's a little spooky. Is someone still here? And we enter a banquet room, I think is one of the first ones we enter, and you see this big rotting feast of food which is way too much food for three people or for two adults and a kid. And um, especially for that being there after the place is boarded up and, uh, you know, a fire happened there, partly destroyed. Yeah. Definitely suspicious. Yeah, exactly. Like no one, no one cleaned up anything. And And, go ahead. uh, For especially there being a fire there, this place surprisingly held up really well. There's some burnt curtains, but that's it. <laughs> like the beds are untouched. Uh, the books are all intact. Like, yeah, for there being a fire that happened, like it's a good shape. <laughs> yeah. We'll find out that it was pretty much contained in one room. It seems like there's some debris that spreads throughout the house, but only one room is really charred. Yeah. That, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Very weird. Very weird. Before we continue into the fire room, I did want to know, if, since I don't think we explained it. So Sarah Hawkins is the wife, the, the one we're investigating. Charles Hawkins is her husband. And then there's a little boy that they had as well. And all three yes. of them are feared to be dead from the fire. Yeah, they're assumed dead. But we'll, like, during the investigation of the place where the fire happened, we'll soon figure out that that is not the case. Because during the investigation, we find out that someone escaped the room. We also find out. It was not the little boy. And it was not the little boy (laughs) because he got burned to a crisp. Which is also another thing. They just. They just. They just left. Lost right over it. Yeah. 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 Silas left. They're not mourning over their kid or anything. I mean, we we get a scene with Sarah. Spoilers. The kid's the only one that died in the fire. Yeah, we we do get a scene with Sarah later in her cemetery where she's mourning her kid, but there's there's not a big light on it, and it it was all right. I mean, it's, they talked about it a decent amount. There's like a like a kind of a once over from each character though. Like this kid died, you know. Like they don't seem too broken up about it. I don't know. Yeah. With all I, the other shit they're up to, like I, I guess I can understand why they don't really care that much. It's true. There is, like Sarah keeps the toy. Like the toy becomes a big part. The the boys like wooden soldier toy, that becomes a big part of uh of Sarah's sanity. So. Oh yep. So yeah, we find out that uh, someone escaped. For right now, all the information we have is that one person escaped at least. Yes. So, so you've seen like scrapes on the door or something. That yeah, scrapes on the left. door, which is, yeah, 
I, I don't know who scratches the door as they're leaving the room. I, I, <laughs> but anyways, it's signs that someone escaped. From the reconstruction scenes, we, we don't get the full scene right now. All we know is that someone ran out of the room on fire and that there was a fire because of a fight. But that's kind of yeah, all we know at this point. Yeah, it was because of a fight because an oil lantern got thrown on the floor. And was there like a, a table tipped over or something? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, they just, yeah, they fight and we get more details about it later as well. Yeah. Yeah, continue <laughs> up to the uh, the little boy's room to investigate his room. And we see that he takes heavy sleeping pills, like more than enough for an adult human. And he also draws really fucked up images that he like had over his wall. So you can tell something's something's off with the kid. And we start to find out that maybe Sarah's paintings were influencing him. But they don't they don't delve too deep into that since No, since they the don't. Gone. Yeah, he makes some strange uh drawings and there's like books stacked up or whatever into shape of like little houses. I don't know if that has anything to do with anything, but Yeah. Yeah, so that that's the little boy's room, and then we keep exploring. It's like really dark in uh, <laughs> this part of the mansion too. You have a, you have a lighter the whole time. You have a lighter, and uh, it's it's pretty spooky. It's ominous. Uh, I was really expecting jump scares at this point, but nothing really happened. So, yeah, Bradley's not really with us. We're just kind of exploring on our own. So yeah, it, he's it like pretty spooky. Yeah, he's like, I'll hang out here, and you go do your thing. I'm like, all right, yeah. whatever. He's just gonna fucking sit in the living room till. Yeah, he just goes like I kind of watch him for a little bit. He just kind of looks at the books and just walks back and forth. But yeah, not a very good cop, which is probably why they missed all this stuff in the first place. That's true. Yeah, which Bradley was initially offended by um, the fact that we wanted to go investigate this because he's like. I was part of that investigation. You saying I messed something up? Yeah, yeah. Like you messed something up. How shocking would that be? You can't even. Yeah, that that kind of annoyed me every time he discredited everything, all the evidence I pointed out to him. He's like, no, that's impossible. I'm like, dude, are you serious? <laughs> are you actually? Ugh, there's no way. There, th- this is the first instance. Uh, of many instances where you bring up evidence to him and he completely denies it. <laughs> and it's just annoying because like the evidence is clear and he's just like, no, I don't believe that. It's pretty. Yeah, annoying. And, the, and the sad thing is, is he's the cop that's most on our side throughout this. Uh, we exactly. do find out that like some cops are part of the occult. Some cops aren't, but they still just don't believe us. And Bradley's the only one that like slightly helps us throughout the story. Yeah. He's actually like uh, there to help us out. Um, yeah. Regardless of what he believes, he's there to help us, which I can respect that. So he yeah, gets he some credit, but not, not a whole lot of, uh, not a whole lot of credit. Yeah. So I went over to, to Sarah's room next. I'm sure you could probably do these out of order. And there's also multiple ways into her room. And you see, she has a big, uh, I think it's a big pentagram or an elder sign yep. on the floor. So, uh, yeah, in her big art room. Some very interesting stuff from Sarah. 
Very interesting. And when I, as soon as I saw the pentagram, like the, the ritual circle, I'm like, oh, yep, I know how this is going to go. I already know what this is. <laughs> yeah. It took a while for them to figure that out, though. But I'm just like, can can we just not can we just look at this for a second here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was I was thinking initially there was a pentagram and now thinking back on it, I'm like, it's probably an elder sign. So, yeah, I, it wasn't a pentagram, but it was like. Reminiscent of a pentagram because it kind of looks the same. it's like a circle with a bunch of with a star candles around it with a star in the middle of it. So, you know, it was like some sort of ritual circle, which yeah. as soon as I saw that, I'm like, yeah, I already know what what's <laughs> going on here. I think I actually forgot about it, though, later. So I was actually like doing stupid shit with my <laughs> decisions. Well, it doesn't actually speak too much about Sarah because, I mean, it varies through through Love, Lovecraft lore because Lovecraft isn't the only author and everything. He kind of yeah. left it open to everyone to add to the universe, which is what made it special. And yeah. the Elder Sign, at least in this game, I'm not sure about the lore as a whole is seen as a protection sign. Oh. So, like, it protects you from, um, like, the ancient ones and stuff, or the old ones. So, it's a, uh, for, for those listening, it's it's basically a big star that looks like it's very sad. It's a drooping star <laughs> with a big circle around it. I recommend just, just Googling Elder Sign and you'll... <laughs> You'll see it. <laughs> a drooping star. That is a pretty accurate description, actually. So, yeah, it's a it's kind of like melting. It's got like a little flame in the middle, probably yeah. like Alzarid's flame or something. But, but yeah, we uh, we hear something outside or not outside uh, upstairs, and then once we go to check that out, we get like a little cutscene of us investigating the room, and then a uh, a mysterious man pushes past us and runs through the hall and we just start chasing him. Yeah. And this man is adorned in classic cultist gear. I don't know if you've, you know, I don't know how much you guys know about like cultists, but they always kind of wear robes with hoods (laughs) and masks. So uh, if you can just imagine a cultist, that's exactly what he looked like. And uh, he pushed past us and uh, starts sprinting down the halls and we start chasing him. Uh, we ended up losing him. I don't know where the fuck he went. Oh, he went into uh, Charles's office, which is where yeah. we get next. Yeah, Charles's office. That was that was interesting, which I don't know why if he did go in there, because the only other way out was where uh, Officer Bradley was. And Bradley was like, what's yeah. going on? So if he did go down into the caves, why didn't he warn the rest of them? That's true. I don't know. Maybe he didn't think too much of it because, like, maybe he didn't think we would solve the way to get down there or something. I guess. Yeah. Very weird stuff. But again, that this whole chapter kind of turns into just a mind game after it. Yeah. So. Pretty good puzzle. Yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed this puzzle. You, uh, The room was closed before where the man went, and now it's opened, and it's Charles's office, and there's a whole bunch of stuff, and there's a big bookcase that you're like, well, 
gotta get in there so you gotta you gotta solve a puzzle to get in yeah so there is some manifest well not manifestos like journals yep uh explaining uh charles's adventures throughout uh his sailor days and uh, or was it his or is his dad's supposedly right now well we'll we'll find out that they're, they're kind of one in the same okay i think it's fair to say we're already in spoiler territory and the the like coordinates of of his manifest travels yeah so basically these are connected to uh a map that shows all their travels around and um it doesn't like these this is a good puzzle because like you don't know exactly how to solve it and you have to like a good puzzle to me is like figuring out how to do it before doing it because uh most games when they give you a puzzle they'll tell you exactly what to do in order to uh in order to be able to solve it like do this in order to do this Mm -hmm. but in this case you have to figure it out uh, no, I, I really like this puzzle. I appreciate it. It's good. I enjoy it. It's yeah, they, they don't hold your hand through it, but it's also not a dumb puzzle. Like it's it's, it's like not. you're actually putting pieces together and doing some detective work. Yeah, it was something I had to actually think about. It was, uh, it was a brain teaser. I, I really appreciate that. I loved it. Yeah, I think we could have used more throughout the game rather True. than some of these reconstruction scenes just being find the hidden pieces type of thing. Yeah. I would rather have puzzles like this instead of the reconstruction scenes, if I'm going to be honest. Yeah. Not, not that they're like terrible, but they're mostly just, you're finding hidden items and yeah, it's it's not actual detective work for things like this. Uh, I'd say there's probably like three of these total throughout the game. Like these puzzles that actually make you, uh, think, Mm-hmm. I don't know what your count is, but I, I think there's only three. I, I can't recall, but I'm sure I'll remember them as we approach them. Well, this is the first one. We'll, we'll keep track of that. <laughs> but, a little ding counter up. Yeah. Um, after we get the door open, we tell Bradley that we got the door open. He goes with us down into the caves. There's a whole cavern underneath the house, which is wild. That's where we start yeah. going. We immediately get into another fucking forgot the word already. <laughs> we're, do, we're doing the, the scene where we're recompiling all the evidence yep. where the whole room turns white and we're reconstruction. like, oh. yes, reconstruction. Thank you. Yep. And we're like, oh, there's three figures that we're meeting at this table down here. And there was a torn piece of dress. So it, Sarah must have been watching them. So. Yeah, we just we just get some scenes, we get some cutscenes, and uh, a little bit more of hints that maybe Charles is part of the cult. Yeah, I think after this we're going into chapter four, and uh, I think we're gonna have another break. Yeah, so we're gonna take a short break here, and then we're gonna delve into the spooky caves that remind us of a vision we might have had earlier on. <laughs> Don't skip the ads. I'm the cult. Always be here waiting for her. Then we get rid of it, members. You are out of your league, detective. 
They control the whole island. She will finally surrender to his power, and the world will fall with her. Don't! No one can escape the will of destiny, they say. But I will change it. I will save Sarah. Welcome back to the spooky cult caves of the Call of Cthulhu. That's a that's quite the, the subtitle. <laughs> so well, yeah, well. we're jumping into chapter four, and we're heading down the spooky cult caves and investigating about Mister Charles Hawkins. <laughs> Not to be confused with uh, Charles Dawkins, who has not died yet by the state. Actually, uh, already did. Good old Charles Dawkins. I don't is he know. Still, uh, is he still writing books uh, about uh, natural selection and shit? <laughs> That's just a bad joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> Richard Dawkins. Why was I thinking Charles? Charles. I don't know. Who is Richard Dawkins? All right. Maybe I'm... No, I'm... I just made a Charles Darwin joke. Charles Darwin. That's who I was thinking of. Fuck You were me. thinking of Darwin. I thought... Okay, I thought you were actually talking about a person that wasn't Darwin. And I'm like, is are they still researching natural selection? Is <laughs> they're still alive? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was off. Now I understand you're awkward. <laughs> they're dead. Yes. Yeah, no, Charles Darwin, who died around the miraculous catch so yeah is actually dead well during this time frame i guess not yeah he's uh yeah darwinism <laughs> yeah so we uh we proceed our way down through these tunnels a little bit more doing some more of those reconstruction scenes finding out some more spooky stuff and then we get to an area where it kind of looks like a like a mine shaft way to get down. And Bradley, as Bradley is, says, I don't want to ruin my uniform because I'll have to pay for it. <laughs> and God so we, it. we go down by ourselves, and he says he's going to go find a different way. Yeah, he's just I don't know where he goes, but uh, who knows? Because there was no other way. <laughs> there was no other way. And he ends up going down there anyways. It's like, was it because of the water? Was there water? I don't know. I think it was just a tight fit, and he just didn't want to go down. He's he's just an ass. Yeah. Oh, whatever. But yeah, we we it wasn't long before we ran into him again. Uh, I don't remember what happens before that. Yeah, we uh, we get to that very large cavern that looks familiar from our vision from before, and we see Bradley across the way, and we're. Hearing some chanting, but it's actually below us. Yep. And that's when Bradley is yelling across to us that they definitely would hear. (laughs) Shush! Be (laughs) quiet! They will hear us! But I'm I'm whispering, but like he he was pretty loud. (laughs) Loudly whispering across a cave. In an echoing cave. Yeah. (laughs) What the hell? But we make it down to the to the bottom floor before Bradley does. 
And then we approach the altar and the, the people are gone. And we see a painting of us. And it's super fucking creepy. Yep. And then fucking Tentacle Man attacks us from behind with a knife. Yep. And then um, he we stave him off or whatever. And then yeah, he uh, knocks us down into the pit. Knocks us down into the pit. I remember it differently. I remember it going like how that how the dream went. That was uh, we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that part. Yes. Oh, OK. OK, so we get knocked into the pit. All right. Yeah. Yeah. We get knocked into this big blood pit. And because right before our painting was this pit and after our scruffle with the tentacle knife man, we fall into it. And it's a big pile of carcasses and we, we panic. Yes. And this is where the deja vu sets in, because this is the exact moment of like where the game started. Like this is yep. our vision we had in our dream. Yep. This is the uh, the cave where we where we started off. Yeah. So, I mean, we already know what happens up to the point where. We can fast forward up to the point where we get back to. The, the cult room again to or the cultists, the cult room yep. where the tentacle man is and uh, the police officer who we now know is Officer Bradley pulls his gun out on him, tells him to stop. And uh, this guy does not give a single fuck. And <laughs> he comes up and stabs Bradley and yep. like raises him up like, ha, I killed you. And yeah. Uh, and before he stabbed him in uh, chief police fashion, Bradley puts like six rounds in his chest because he refused to stop walking. Yep. <laughs> and we yeah, find yeah. out because of those shots that this is Charles Hawkins. Yeah, it was Charles Hawkins. It was a bit of a shock. The tentacle man. Yeah, he's the tentacle man. Um, His face is half burned off. He has uh, one arm that is turned into tentacles, and he's wearing a trench coat with with the hood up, and uh, he looks pretty damn scary. So, yeah, he fucking shrugs off those bullets and then proceeds to uh, engorge. Bradley, as you said. Yeah. Which is uh weird on how this turns up later with his fate, uh, with him just taking a bunch of bullets and not doing anything with it. But uh yeah, so he kills Bradley and was it that when we wake up or something? No, we uh after he kills Bradley, we start to run for it. And then yeah. uh, the whole cave just starts to fucking collapse for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're knocked unconscious by a rock. And then we wake up, try and call, crawl our way out a bit more, only to be crushed just as soon as we see the light to get out. And then we wake up in a in a hospital bed. Yeah. Wake up in a freaking mental asylum. Yeah. Well, yeah, mental asylum slash hospital. Very good combination. Well, was it a hospital bed? Oh, yeah. Did, no, it was a hospital bed. You're right. Initially, we wake up with Chapter 5 in a like bloody hospital room. And this is where a nurse starts like injecting us with stuff. And yeah. Dr. Fuller's there seeing his creepy shit. Because we wake up and we're freaking out. And Officer Bradley's there. And we're super confused because he's supposed to be dead. Yeah, we this is a very weird chapter because we wake up in the the hospital room 
We get injected, go back to sleep, wake back up to a normal hospital bed where Bradley and Dr. Fuller are there. And then once we start freaking out because we see an officer Bradley die, now he's alive. Uh, Dr. Fuller puts us back to sleep with another syringe. And then he, we wake up. He loves doing that. Like he gets off off of that shit. We wake up once more in a padded cell. Yep. We were too crazy for the hospital bed, so they put us in a padded cell so we wouldn't hurt ourselves because they care about us so much. Yeah, at the time, and actually we never really figured out what the hell happened with that whole chapter. Like, so Officer Bradley didn't die. We didn't die. I don't know if, like, through some Cthulhu juice, they, like, saved both of our lives or if it didn't actually happen. We'll we'll get some weird lines from Officer Bradley later where he like remembers going in, down into the caves, but then he just blacked out after that. Right. So, yeah, it, this is the point where it's you start to question like what is actually happening and what is, uh, you know, a symptom of the insanity. Yeah. Yeah. So we uh, we see the guards taking away a gentleman in the room across from us. Uh, out of his padded cell, a uh, blind man that we will uh, meet very briefly later before he leaves us. And uh, we lay down and go to sleep in the the padded cell. And then we get to meet Leviathan officially for the first time, who is the voice that's been talking to us. Uh, Or we don't really get to see Leviathan. Oh, I was going to say, like, yeah, because he starts talking to us. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, we don't really um, respond to it though. Yeah, it's just a, it's just one of those dreams where it's, it's like Leviathan wants us to free it, and then it's just one of those cryptic things, and we wake up and Marie Colden, who is a, another doctor at this facility, wakes us up from our padded cell. Yeah, and uh, so we start the worst stealth chapter ever. <laughs> it sucks, but. Uh, she she believes or she agrees that uh, Doctor Fuller is not up to good deeds and not up um, to his Hippocratic oath. It, exactly, and um, she basically lets us out of our cell and tells us to meet her after she after we escape. Which uh, which would have been nice if she could have just say I'm escorting this patient somewhere, right? You know at least get us out of the basement. Cause then, if the, you know, once we're out of the basement, we're able to get, get home or whatever. Yeah. You know, she doesn't really help us other than letting us out here and yeah. just telling us she at least believes us that Dr. Fuller is a fucking nut job and definitely is doing harm to his patients. Yeah. And she wants to talk with us more in, on investigations on like what he's up to and stuff. So that's why she lets us out. Yep. And so now we have to sneak out of this this uh, mental asylum with, you know, avoiding all the guards who are actually just like assistants or what, what, I don't know what you call them. They're, I don't know, the people that dress in white and put the people in the straitjackets. I guess you call <laughs> yeah, them like, I don't know what you call them. Just asylum workers. Asylum workers. Yeah. These are the guys you have to avoid, uh, but you also have to solve some simple puzzles and you have to 
distract people and uh it's just a lot of things you have to do while you're sneaking around in order to get out of here yeah it it got pretty tedious at one point i'm not gonna lie i didn't write a whole lot of notes because this is one of the longer chapters in the game at least it felt like it to me no it did to me too without a whole lot of actual substance basically you solve some puzzles you avoid some guards and you uh but um before before we continue on to Mr. Francis Sanders, do you want to talk about this puzzle at all? Is this one of the ones that uh Yeah. Yeah, I can I can talk a little bit about this. So you first have to so you have to sneak around avoiding these guards, and these guards are in inopportune places. So <laughs> you have to figure out ways to distract them. And there is probably like there's like a few long stages of just like figuring out ways to distract these guards to get to where you need to go. And then (laughs) once you get to these places, you have to figure out a way to distract some more guards in order to get to where you need to go. And it, it was just distract one guard to get to this place, distract them to get to another place. And I thought this was just like filler man. like, that's what it felt like to me. It, It didn't, I, I I enjoyed it, I guess, but it wasn't like a fun stealth. Mm-hmm. It was just. Do you think the uh, the valve puzzle compared at all to the last one was this a good puzzle for you? Yeah, I mean, I liked it because it was a bit of a brain teaser because like I didn't know exactly what to do right away, which was also kind of frustrating. I'm like, where do I go? How do I distract these guys? Well, mm-hmm. I guess that's a that's a part of the puzzle, right? So I guess I can't really be mad about that if that's something i really like but it was another one of those things i just didn't know where to go or how to do it but if you go around and explore enough you'll figure out how to do it and i like that but it was it was long of it was it was a lot of running back and forth being sneaky and yeah there was a lot of times not a lot of times but there was a few times where i got caught by the guards for being careless. Cause I just wanted to get, <laughs> I just wanted to get through this part. Yeah. But yeah, it was compared to the last one. I, I, I didn't like it as much. I don't know how you felt. That's fair. It's, it's one of those collect items and then figure out a puzzle type of thing. So it's yeah. definitely running around all over down here. It's, it's okay. Uh, I, I definitely don't like the stealth in this game. So, no, the stealth is not that fun. It, it's it's a bit tedious because, like, obviously, okay, it's also kind of simple in a way, too, because there's probably one guard, like, actually walking around. And that's pretty much the only guy you need to avoid. But then again, when you need to go to a certain place, there's these long hallways, and you don't know exactly where he is, and he could be just around the corner, too. So it's just waiting, seeing where he is, and then moving on. And I, I, I yeah. don't like that. Yeah, so we uh, we spend some time down here, and then we finally get to meet Francis Sanders, who's in like like a dentist chair, <laughs> whatever that is. I don't know what he's in the room for, but this I, is where the, the guards dragged him. Uh, I'd say it's an optometrist chair. Ot- optometrist? Even though he's blind. Yeah. That's what it looked like to me. Ironic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he's strapped into this chair and he's also in a straitjacket, so he can't fucking do anything. And 
Sanders is telling us some stuff about Sarah Hawkins' paintings. Uh, so Francis is an art collector and bought a painting from Sarah. And it turns out that this painting had brought a, a being, so to say, from another world into our world called the Shambler. Who yeah. Is one of my favorite, I don't know if you'd say villain, because it's not really like a, like a thing of, of morals, like a, like an antagonist, I guess. Yeah. Like a, a re- really good monster. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's a, it's a cursed painting. It is very cursed. And, uh, you know, before this chapter, you don't, you don't know anything much about it or but like the suspense, like I really appreciate the suspense of like where this starts of this story arc to where it uh, gets to. Yeah, because I think it's really good. It was really suspenseful because like you, you start to figure out that this Shambler painting was the cause of his madness. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy to think because like this, this painting drove him so mad that he carved out his eyes. Like, yeah, so he wouldn't that's see just it. nuts. It's, I almost think the Shambler storyline is, it, it is integral to the Cthulhu plotline as a whole, but I think it's as a sub plotline, it's almost better than the main one. Like it, it's really good. I, I really, Oh like yeah. Oh, absolutely. Also, there is another, uh, there's another form of media that also explains more about this Shambler painting. It's uh, on Netflix. It's uh, one of the episodes of Cabinet of Curiosities. Uh, I would highly recommend it if you're more curious about how these Lovecraft like paintings work and how they drive people mad. Because like that is a great episode. Yeah, this this game as a whole. I don't think I mentioned it yet is kind of like Into the Mouth of Madness, where it's not just one story. Like, obviously, it's it's entitled after Lovecraft's Call of Cthulhu. Yep. But it's more than just the Call of Cthulhu. It obviously has rats in the walls, like you said, about Pikmin. It has stuff from... Um, I can't remember the story name off the top of my head, but it's, it's the one where people turn to fish people, which we're going to look into a little bit later on too here in the hospital. There's just, there's okay. a lot of different stories of Lovecraft all shoved into this. And most of them are just small plots just as part of the bigger madness of the call of Cthulhu. But there's a lot of little good details in there. Yeah. Very good details. But in the end, uh, he, he starts freaking about freaking out about the shambler. And right now we have no idea what the Shambler is. And so he seemingly gets picked up by a ghost and seemingly gets stabbed. And then he gets like thrown around and he, he, he dies pretty much. Yeah. I think not like advocating for content to be like brutal or worse or anything. I mean, like, it gets the point across, but they definitely could have, like, been more graphic with it, and I wouldn't have mind. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I think he's, uh, yeah, he just gets stabbed and thrown around, as you said, and 
I mean, it could have been a thing where like it rips him in a half right in front of you, but <laughs> it could have. Yeah. But something tells me they didn't have the budget for this <laughs> game. <laughs> yeah, it does definitely get the point across, though. Like on my first playthrough, I'm like, what the fuck? Like, is this thing about to kill me right now? Right. Like I just... ran out of the room as soon as that <laughs> happened. I was purely convinced that a ghost was going <laughs> to fucking rip me apart. Yeah, because on the first playthrough, these elements serve really well. Like you do not know what's going on. And it's just that element of the unknown. It's like, what the, what the fuck? And yeah. I my next. Yeah, no, that like the element of the unknown, like you said, like that, that was it. Like, I didn't know what the hell was going to happen to me. I didn't want to know. And as soon as I saw that happen, I was horrified and I just ran out of the room. I'm like, that shit's not getting me. <laughs> hell no. Yeah. Ran out of the room, ran up the stairs and, uh, that was that was the end of the level. I don't know if you stuck yeah. around and checked it out. No, you uh yeah, you you start to go out and you try to escape and then uh you start to pass out from the gas and yeah. the cutscene where Bradley rescues us from the area and then yeah. we wake up at the the Hawkins mansion. I have an interesting story about this part. So <laughs> I <laughs> yeah. ran up the stairs and uh the gas was shooting out and I started coughing. I'm like, "Oh shit. Well, I can't go that way. And uh-huh. I actually like went back and started wandering around and stuff. And I saw the guards <laughs> were like standing out there. So I couldn't go that way. And I tried going up the stairs. And I couldn't go that way. So I'm like, <laughs> where am I supposed to go? Cause I can't go through there. I thought it was like another puzzle thing where I had to shut off the gas in order to proceed. Oh, and I'm yeah. like, okay, I'm going to try just walking through it. And I ended up walking through it. I'm like, wow, that was a waste of time. So yeah, it brings it to the cutscene. <laughs> it goes, goes right into the cutscene, And then, pass out and wake up at the mansion. So, yeah. So Bradley and Marie Colden, the, uh, the female doctor that was at the facility, let us out. They're both discussing downstairs. We're going to be in this library a couple times throughout the game. It turns out to be like a kind of like a hub for us. Yeah. For, for as short as the game is, they, they kind of use this place as like a safe house. Like yeah. nothing really bad, bad happens at the Hawkins mansion. So, I mean, I don't know if what you're expecting, but <laughs> it's it's pretty much safe. So, yeah, nothing. Yeah, nothing really bad actually happens here. So, yeah. Other than like under the mansion, but under the mansion is different. But like when you're at the mansion, you're you're fine. You're golden. Yeah. And the mansion is probably the most opportune place to refine all your skills. This library is so full of books that you can look through. And uh, not only learn more about the area, but um, get some skill points for medicine as well. Yeah, I remember coming across a few books, but I, I don't remember seeing a whole lot uh, throughout the throughout the mansion. Are you able to like pick some up off the numerous bookshelves everywhere? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's some books that are interactable and some on tables and. Okay. It's kind of just trial and error and looking through everything. So if you're more of like a curious type, then you probably would have found more skill points than I did. (laughs) Yeah. If you're a scan everything type of person, you'll you'll find some good stuff in here. Yeah. So we, we go downstairs and start talking to Bradley and Colden and uh, Bradley says he was unaware of even what happened in the cave. When we try to, to ask him about the, how, how he lived. I was uh I was dead set on figuring out what the fuck happened with him because like I'm like dude you died 
<laughs> you, you need to you need to explain yourself right now. And then he says that he just doesn't remember what happened. And part of me believed him, but then I was also suspicious of him too. I'm like, I I don't know. Yeah, you know, we don't. I, I don't know. I was pretty much suspicious of Bradley the entire time. <laughs> I think that's and, uh, how my playthrough was as well. My my first playthrough because you you never really know if you can trust him. Like he never does right. anything specifically in your favor until near the end. But even then, it could still be construed as maybe just tricking you. So right, that's that's what I was thinking. I thought he was like trying to lie to me or something. Like. I ended up tripping out or something and I don't know, but it is also completely possible that he just doesn't remember anything. And yes, it, it, cause a lot of crazy shit is happening and I, I can totally believe that. So indeed. Yeah. Bradley's also uh, being affected by the madness of the Island as well, which is getting worse. Yeah. So Bradley doesn't really believe any of our tales of the asylum or anything else we're telling him but he still puts us on our next lead regardless. Yeah. He tells us to go since Francis Sanders died uh, to go see his widow, Irene Sanders and maybe find the painting and learn more about it. Oh, yep. And another thing with this is like, you know, I mentioned it before that he just denies everything. We told him that uh, Dr. Fuller was up to some bad practices and he just (laughs) doesn't believe us. Like not the like Dr. He, Fuller. He witnessed him pumping us full of whatever the fuck every time we woke up. And after all that with uh you know uh Dr. Dr. Cauldron also Cauldron. advocating for us, he still doesn't believe it. And I'm like, come on, man. How stubborn can you be? I mean, you are on a small island that's detached from the mainland of America. And we're also in the early 1900s. So, I mean, medicine wasn't bad, but it wasn't, like, perfect yet. No. I mean, you could probably just inject people and get away with it. Yeah, but the, uh, like, I guess that was me being biased from the shit I've seen in that asylum. Because, like, there's some parts in that asylum that was pretty fucked up. Do you remember seeing all those corpses in that room with all the blood everywhere? All chopped up and stuff. Yeah. Like, he is up to some shady shit, man. And then as soon as they say, like, man, he's not up to any good. He's like, wow, he's he's the most renowned <laughs> doctor in all of Darkwater. I'm like, oh, man, this guy is a sheep. <laughs> yeah, later we'll actually get to play as Marie. And uh, we'll get to see more of what uh, Dr. Fuller's actually been doing to these people. Yeah. I, I, really, I really like her chapter. So I, I do, too. So yeah, we uh, we kind of cut just skip over to uh, Irene Sanders' home. Loading screen over there. She lets us in. She's this uh, fancy looking woman, and uh, it looks like Cat is already there. That's been talking to Irene. Yeah. So I mean, this house is like also a really nice house. I don't know if you consider it a mansion. Well, it is a mansion actually because they have an entire yeah. wing dedicated to a gallery. Yeah, because they're rich too. They're they're also rich, and you see a lot of paintings because he's an art collector. There's a lot of interesting paintings everywhere. I don't know if you stuck around and took a look at them, but they were all kind of they were all a bit dark and ominous in a way, and they weren't really uh, pleasant to look at. 
Not really. But you talk to her and she, I, I don't know. Okay. So another thing was there was a choice to tell her about his her husband yeah. or not. And I chose not to, mm-hmm. but then when I got there, she knew anyways. So well, I don't, it didn't really, she knows about the death either way, but I think it's your choice to tell her the details. Yeah, choice to tell her the details, but she knew anyways, and you ended up talking about it anyways. But it also was one of those things is like, this will affect your destiny. I'm like, <laughs> what really did it affect? Because it, it still came out to the same outcome. We still went there. We still talked about him. We all knew he was dead. Yeah, tried to lie to her, I guess. I don't know. Affects your mental state. We didn't even try to lie to her. We just kind of omitted the truth right at first. Yeah. I Like, I walked in and told her, hey, I'm here to talk about your husband. And then Mm -hmm. she's like, well, my husband's already dead. He died yesterday. So what do you want to talk about? I'm like, okay, well, I mean, I didn't really lie to her. I just, that that was the truth. So I don't know. Yeah, I, uh, she's a little understandably irate because the hospital or more where Dr. Fuller wouldn't even let her see Francis or anything like that, even while he was alive. So I, I told her the truth about Francis or what we believe to be the truth, at least. And we told her about the Shambler and stuff like that. And she referred myself to the painting that Sarah made that's in yep. his art gallery. And yeah, but it it, it seems that Kat is already ahead of us and she's going to be like liquidating all of his art. Yeah. So she lets us go in first. But uh, but Kat is outside waiting and does not want us to harm any of the art. <laughs> yeah, but she doesn't want to go in. Note that. Yeah, not yet. Also, before you go in, there is a book sitting on the table and you have oh, the choice yes. to read it or not. This 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 part, I did not read the book. I don't know what you did. I did. I, I think for this playthrough, I went with the, the insanity thing. I was trying to do all of the uh, choices I thought would be bad. Yeah. So I read this book. There's, there's three of these. They're called like the, uh, it's some sort of animal name in like Latin. And it's basically just a bestiary for, for like old one beings. Yeah. So like it tells you about like just mythical beings that are not very mythical anymore. (laughs) That uh, just tells you a little bit about them. It gives you some yeah. occultism knowledge, but it also drains your sanity a bit. Taking a look inside this book, the writing and language that is used in this book is very uneasy. Like, it's honestly very, uh, very creepy. I don't know what it is about the, the text that you see on it. It just kind of looks like scribbles. But I don't know, the way it's written, it just sets a really uneasy feeling. And uh, there's like pictures of monsters in there and stuff. And it is like, oh. Yeah, I get the feeling that like like we're not supposed to uh, specifically like understand what's supposed to be staying, saying. Like it doesn't tell us as the player, but it no, it definitely is some knowledge that is draining on Pierce, and it's teaching him more about the Shambler and other beings. So he's he's getting knowledge, but at what cost? At what cost exactly? So my maybe like favorite horror section in the game 
we uh, get to go into the gallery finally. Yeah. So this is the infamous chapter number six. And uh, <laughs> we, uh, we go into the art gallery and we are going around looking at all these paintings and mm-hmm. taking a little stroll through the art gallery. He has like daggers um, inside some display cases and stuff. Yeah, like, like some artifacts and just artifacts. Shit. Yeah, a bunch of random shit, and like it's really well put together. It's like a really nice looking museum. I, I took a stroll around it. I actually kind of appreciated the 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 statues and the paintings and stuff uh, before I walked up to the infamous painting, the Shambler. Yeah, it's dead set in the middle of the room. It's yeah, it's dead set in the middle of the room. It's the biggest one there. And at first glance, it doesn't look like anything too impressive. Like it, it, it looks like uh, something that doesn't have a face is like screaming. It's it's so abstract, almost like like just it's like three colors and it's mostly green, and like you can't even make anything out at first. But just the more you look at it, like your brain starts to like put something on it. Yeah, that's exactly what happens for for Pierce here too. And yeah, it becomes a little more real than he's hoping. It's uh, yeah, a little more uh, extraordinary than what is explained, uh, because while he's looking at it, all the lights shut off around him and then the painting starts morphing and starts like bubbling up and then something like a head breaks through out of it and then <laughs> uh, some arms some long lengthy arms this creature has no face there's a creature crawling out of the painting and uh pierce goes and hides behind the nearest display case and i love i just sorry to interrupt you i just want to note that i love these like close-ups on his face like when he's hiding behind that dresser and there's a there's a few shots in the game like this where you just get the absolute fear in his face like he's in that cold sweat He's super pale and his hair's a mess. And he's just, he's like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. No, that, yeah, that was really good. I was, I was freaking out. I was really hoping that the cutscene would carry me out of this situation. <laughs> you wish. I did not want to deal with this thing. Uh, but yeah, and that leads us to uh, honestly the most terrifying part of this game, which is. Looks like a fucking Wendigo. It does. Uh, like, actually, yeah, exactly. Think of a Wendigo, but the arms are and legs are super long, and it crawls on all fours. Like, actually, it has three joints on its arms. Mm-hmm. So they go down, the elbow goes up, and then, like, at the wrist, it has, like, a super long, almost, like, blade-type hand. It, it... Oh, man, so creepy. But... Yeah, so you're hiding behind the case and you're take a peek around it. And he's like, what the fuck was that? Or whatever he said. <laughs> what the hell was that? And uh, so right now you have to like, you don't know what to do, but that thing is hunting you down in the dark. And yeah. Yeah. And I forgot to know it, it doesn't have eyes or ears or I guess technically you can hear you because that's how it tracks you. Yeah, it can make noise, but it does have a big fucking mouth. It does. 
and uh, it's huge. It is not fun to be caught by this thing. This is some of the most terror filled moments I've had in a game is like sneaking around this room, not wanting to get caught. Yeah. It took me a while to like figure it out because they don't actually tell you that it's deaf and that you kind of have to figure it out in your own wandering around the room or uh, sorry, not deaf, but uh, that it's blind. Oh, okay. How is it blind though? Because that thing saw me instantly as soon as I looked at it. I would assume that something like the painting, like if you don't look directly at it, it doesn't know you're there. Like if it's next to you, but you're not like looking at it, at least from like my experience from before, I don't think it sees you. Okay. But I think it has the same effect as like the painting where it knows when you're looking at it. Oh, okay. That explains a lot. Cause like, I don't know. Being a be like my first instinct is to look at it to see where it's at in order to know where to go. So I was always looking at it. <laughs> yeah, at the very least, like from my perception of it, I don't think it has like a depth perception. Like I was like sneaking peeks like across the room and stuff, and it just or like being in the same room as it where it could easily like should be able to sense you, but it just doesn't. Okay. So, yeah. Just a it's a it's a very interesting section, but it's also very, very scary. Yeah. So this is another one of those things where you have to figure out what to do. So luckily the only hints that you get is that there's like little icons above the the display cases, and if you click A on these display cases, you'll smash it and you'll be able to grab one of the daggers out of there. Mm-hmm. What and um, but he can't need- hear you. So as soon as you smash that case, you better get out of that room. You better just you- run straight for the painting. <laughs> yeah, run straight for the painting. And um, first time I did it, I grabbed the dagger. I'm like, oh, I could use this dagger. And then I went and stabbed the painting. <laughs> well, before I stabbed the painting, I was thinking, <laughs> I, was I was thinking I could use it first. <laughs> yeah, try to stab it first, and that did not work. That thing killed me. So I'm like, all right, can't use it on the monster. Yeah, I would definitely die in these kind of scenarios <laughs> if I was stuck in it. One of the things I figured out on subsequent uh, replaythroughs is that you can view each of the daggers before breaking the glass. And he does make a different comment about the right dagger. He's like, oh, this one seems different than the others. It's like ancient or something like that. Because, yeah, it, it also took me quite a while to even get the right dagger. I think I tried like three or four different ones. Just yeah. Yeah. And I eventually just started like sprinting around the room, smashing the the display cases, grabbing daggers and like more trying to outrun him than actually trying to hide from him. Yeah. Because there were so many times I was trying to sneak around him and it just was not working for me. I tried hiding in the closets as he was chasing me and that did not work. No, he'll no. rip you right out. He found me every time, and that sucked. So, <laughs> yeah, I eventually was just trying all the daggers and trying to just outrun him around the room. I had an idea of where he was. If he was in one of those display case rooms, I would just sprint for the the painting and try to use it a dagger on it until I found the right one, and then 
actually was able to slice the painting and that was what made you know him get sucked back into the painting and apparently banished but not exactly i don't know if there was like copies of it or temporarily temporarily yeah i think he was just sucked back into the painting and yeah that's that's all i know about that one i i don't think he was there permanently though i think it just saved us temporarily but as he uh okay as he gets pulled back into the painting, he kind of like grabs our arm and then uh, lets go as he gets sucked back in. And our arm just starts turning black like a fucking Hellblade. Yep. And uh, we were about to actually like cut off our hand because it looks like it's going to spread to the rest of our body. And that's when Kat steps in and, and stops <laughs> us. He's like, what are you doing? And then like he cuts back into reality, like with a dagger in his hand looking at his hand and it's perfectly fine. Yeah. It's like, I don't know what I would do in that situation. Like I was about to cut my arm off. (laughs) Like, holy shit. The thing is, I feel like cat understands like she, uh, she didn't like focus on the painting or anything, but like she gave me a feeling that she like understood what was going on now. Yeah. And, uh, that was weird because I don't know what, you chose for dialogue options, but I just told her straight up exactly what just happened. And she's like, yeah, I totally believe that. And I'm like, you, yeah. what you believe that <laughs> you're the first. And, and uh, yeah, so that was kind of surprising. So cat's yeah. almost like our friend after this, like we're not friendly, but like I not, not better level than we were before. I mean, she knocked yeah. me out before, you know, <laughs> Yeah, and she uh, she tells us we should get that dagger checked out by uh, the local antique dealer, Algernon Drake. So that's, yes. that's where we head to next. Yes, and so we go to Algernon's bookstore. And yeah, this was a pretty interesting level. Not really any enemies or anything. It was more of an investigative part of the game. We're just kind of exploring and seeing what happened. That you've... Like, when you first start investigating, you find out that the place was broken into. And you get into this reconstruction scene where you find out what they were trying to steal and all that. Yeah. And uh, after, like, you find out that it was broken into by the door, it was punched in, unlocked. And you find out that whoever was in here was in a hurry. Yeah. And uh, you eventually find this safe. That was that, you know, the thief was trying to get into, but they actually haven't opened yet. Yeah, it was an interesting puzzle in order to unlock the safe, too. I really appreciated that. I would say that this is actually my favorite one because it it not only like mixes um, some like book aspects, but there's like the chessboard and then there's trying to figure out the combination for the safe. And it's just yeah. like, all one. And it's, it's yeah. really good sure. It wasn't it, it wasn't clearly explained on what that all that meant either. Like you had actually had to put both together and oh. I, I really liked that. Yeah, and then you had like three audio tapes you had to listen to for yep. hints and then Yeah. A lot of good stuff here. Yeah, so we we do eventually get into the safe ourselves. And then I think that's when we get that cutscene of of seeing or uh, sorry, the reconstruction scene of seeing Charles trying to break into it before, but there was an elder sign 
on the safe. And so it repelled him away. Yeah. But that was before we got it open, though. Oh, yes. That was Sorry. like the first reconstruction scene when we uh, figured out that he was trying to open it and then got repelled. And then we're like, okay, we got to figure out how to open it. And <laughs> that was that uh, interesting puzzle with the, the tapes and stuff. And yes. It was really nice. Yes, indeed. And there's also the second bestiary book in here as well in this building, if you uh, found that. Yeah. It's, uh, it's mixed with all of his other books around the store. Yeah. Yeah, the second bestiary book. I actually ended up reading this one. So I didn't read the first one, but I ended up reading the second one. I don't know how many there are total, but... To you a little dose of insanity. There's uh, three yep. throughout the game. There's three? Okay. So I, I read the second one. I don't know if I read the third one. So yeah, we uh, we do eventually get into the safe. And then we find out Sarah and Drake put this book in the safe to uh, to be safe. <laughs> yep. And so we read it. Or, yeah, yeah, I don't believe you had a choice here to read it. No, you didn't. I think it was just one of those things. Uh, it turns out this book is the Necronomicon. Yeah. The, the most insane of all books. Yes, but it also uh, gives you the knowledge to not only like summoning things, but to defeating things as well. So. And um, isn't this where you get uh, sucked into another body? Yeah. Was it that this part? Some spooky powers and transports us to uh, Dr. Colden. Yeah, which is really cool. So Dr. Colden is uh, the first time that we're sucked into a body right yeah the first time yeah uh there's like three total three total times yeah so uh this is the first time and you get sucked into colden's uh body okay (laughs) uh you don't get sucked into after consent first man you basically uh are seeing through her eyes pretty much people's bodies yeah, but you get to play as her. So essentially, you, the player, are playing as Colden throughout this uh, level, and it was an interesting level. Uh, so she's uh, working in the hospital, the insane asylum where that we were before. Slash normal hospital. It's it's a weird mixture. Yeah, it's Riverside Institute. Yeah. Which is weird because, like, is it... So it's an institution. Let's call it an institution. Yeah, but they also had just normal medical patients there as well. Yeah, so that's that's weird. It's like, is it a hospital or is it an asylum? Yeah, so you do some really cool doctor stuff. And we, we start off with Colden, who's analyzing this one guy, who appears to be turning into a fucking cephalopod. Yeah. Like a, like a fish creature, which is um, the reference to that, to that one story where... People turn the fish creatures. Yeah, I won't go too much into yeah. this, but that's a good one too. I recommend reading. And uh, Doctor Fuller is really amused by it, and he wants us to like elaborate more on it. And uh, it seems that Fuller is actually experimenting and like wanting these kind of results. Maybe he's uh, wanting to turn us into uh, little baby Cthulhu's. I don't know. Well, he the way he explained it was very suspicious. That he almost made it seem like this is something that had to be done. So uh, right then, I was convinced that he was a cult member 
and he's doing this for the sake of summoning Cthulhu or whatever. Yeah, because he's we we find out that what he's giving the patients and experimenting with is actually juice from the miraculous catch. Yeah, or like the blood of it or whatever. Well, which is very strange, and uh, yeah, he is just a a fucked up man. So he's injecting all these people with this serum, which is causing them to go mad. Um, mm-hmm. But also like, curing them of all their stuff. It is, it is curing them of their ailments, but what cost, you know? So mm-hmm. they find out that, or you do some medical examinations on this, this patient and find out that they, that the, it's somewhat mutating. The nurse you're with is kind of skeptical, understandably. Because, mm-hmm. like, what you're saying is basically it's whatever is going on is not from this world. So, basically, you're saying the patient is turning into an alien, which uh, she's not wrong. But, like, the the nurse is just has some skeptic- yeah, skepticism, which is understandable. But, uh, yeah, so you accuse him of doing heinous things to these patients. And he's like, oh, this is something that we need to do. This is... Uh, this is the, the the start of the new world. <laughs> he looks like words. a skinny Dr. Eggman. Or actually, he looks like Jim Carrey is a uh, Dr. Eggman. I was going to say he looks like... Um, He's got the big fucking spectacle glasses and the mustache. Yeah. Well, what's that uh, doctor from Batman? Uh, not Scarecrow, the right? The Arkham series. Dr. Strange. Hugo Strange. Hugo Strange, yeah. Yeah. I saw him and I was instantly reminded of him. I'm like, yeah, this guy looks like a mad scientist. Oh, yeah, that is spot on, actually. Yeah. Comparing him there. (laughs) I saw the round glasses and the beard and everything. I'm like, yep, that's that's Hugo Strange. (laughs) Yep, that's pretty good. Also, the uh, the book I was thinking of was uh, Shadow Over Innsmouth. So it's a a real book. Oh, okay about the fish people. All right. Yeah. So basically man's turning into fish and he's basically almost dead at this point. But now you get to do some actual doctor work. You get to play doctor. Yeah. I enjoyed these parts a lot. Like you get to walk around, you don't really do anything big, but like you just get to talk to people and make them happy. And yeah, you see Irene Sanders here as well. She almost looks like she's like, like Harry Potter petrified. Yeah, like in a coma, like completely passed out. Well, I don't know if it's because of the Shambler painting being in her house, because this presumably takes place after Pierce's encounter with the Shambler. So I don't know if something happened to Irene after that. But Yeah, nothing really resolved with that. No, just I, a thing. I, we never she's, saw any more of her. Yeah, she's in the hospital now. But yeah, so we need to get into Dr. Fuller's office because we need to do some snooping in his files. But yeah, unfortunately, some dirt on him. <laughs> unfortunately, Dr. Fuller has this asshole of a head nurse who uh, keeps a very close eye on his room. So we need to use the poor anxiety ridden younger nurse I to go so talk bad. to her. And I didn't find another way to do this. I think that was the only way. Yeah. Unless, unless you found something, 
is turning off the water and getting her to go talk to her. Yeah. I feel yes. bad for her. I know. I felt so bad because all she does, all she was doing when we found her was cleaning up the the men's bathroom, which sucks. Imagine getting your nursing degree. I guess there's, is there nursing degrees in 1920s? I doubt it. Probably not the same curriculum. If yeah. there is. It's probably more of an apprenticeship as, as most things were back then. Yeah. Imagine becoming a nurse just to clean bathrooms, though, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, or clean bedpans. That's probably what she was doing in there. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, we had to make her life a little worse and break the, turn the water off. And so she had to go and tell the mean nurse what was going on, and she was just going to insult her again because she's very mean. Yep. And that's how we got into her office. Or uh, doc- his office. Doctor- <laughs> I was going to say Doctor Strange, but Doctor Fuller's office. <laughs> yes, Doctor Doctor Hugo Strange. I uh, <laughs> yeah. So we uh we do some snooping in Fuller's office, and we find some really interesting details, and and then uh, I proceed off to the basement where Fuller uh, gives us a jump scare and fucking injects us as he loves to do. Yep, of course, right? And then uh, we wake back up as Pierce, and Drake has us at gunpoint. Yep. But yeah, I think that's a good spot for our last break here, and then we will get into the last few chapters of the game. Yep. All right. When the last order rises up, you will choose. I will not be here to bear witness to it, because you will have released me. But the earth will resound to your cries, or theirs. Drake, what are you doing with that gun? I was just looking through all your books. Not that you had anything to hide, except all these Arkham series that you had, all nine books of them. What are you so interested with the Arkham books for? It's a really fucking good book. Why? why no, they're why? not, man. They're just talking about crazy things that you shouldn't be reading anyways. I'm trying to save you. By the way, it was Charles Hawkins that broke in here. Indeed. Yeah, and uh, Drake chastises us a bit for reading the Necronomicon. Yep. But he's like, well, what did you see? (laughs) Since you opened it anyways, (laughs) I am a a man for the gossip. (laughs) What's the deets, man? What'd you see? And uh, yeah, we relay uh, what happened with Colden. And we're like, he's like, shit. Well, let's fucking go, bro. Let's go help her. I can help you. I am invaluable to you because I have knowledge about the occult that you do not have. And so, I don't know. I vibed with it. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. I don't know. Was there an option to deny his? Yeah, you get get a choice here if you want to uh, bring him with or not. Or not. Not bring him with to the hospital. He's not coming with there. But if he's going to help us in our journey. Yeah. 
I, I decided to have him help. All yeah. the help, the better. Because also because my uh, occult uh, knowledge was so low, anyways. <laughs> yeah. Even though you're reading all these animal books, I'm reading all these books and I didn't learn shit. <laughs> it's bullshit. Yeah. So uh, we get a cutscene of us racing back to the hospital, and the hospital appears to be fucking empty. Like there's no patients. It's just like it's just dead. Yeah. It's this was another one of those uh, suspenseful moments. Not exactly like scary, but like very suspenseful. Yeah, I I actually kind of enjoyed that part. Uh, the uh, the tense of intensity of it. Yeah, we're about to jump into like our next semi horror section as we uh, open a door into the basement. I believe it's the same door that Marie opened and got syringed. Uh, and the shambler appears behind us and like knocks us out or not, not knocks us out, but we like freak out and then everything goes dark. And then we're kind of in like this, this cloud where we have this lantern, but we can only see just directly in front of us around the hospital. <laughs> it's um, uh, very creepy. The The lack yeah. of being able to see is probably one of the scariest things in uh, most video games. Yeah. And so you're searching this hospital and we're doing some puzzles here with with symbols and runes and and weird uh, teleporting doors. But uh, yeah, if you take too long in this area, the shambler will find you. And uh, there's a very suspenseful like soundtrack playing through here. And it's it's a really good section. I like I enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. So like your oil, you have like different two different types of oil lanterns. Uh, one is like, uh, I don't know what you'd expect or what you'd call it. Exactly. I, I guess it's like a, like a spectrum, like a, like a, I don't know. I felt like you were going into a different, uh, dimension depending on which lantern you were holding. Yeah. It's just one of those puzzles where you, uh, like switch back and forth between like two realities. With yeah. The two lanterns. So then a door's open in one, but not the other. And you just saw we, we did this uh, same kind of puzzle in uh, Hellblade. Yeah, which, yeah. So this was reminiscent to that in a sense. So, yeah, a lot of running back and forth through the dark hospital trying to get through it. Yeah. What did you think of the the final jump scare right before you get to the last? <laughs> that scared the shit out of me, man. <laughs> I screamed <laughs> the first time I played this. I knew that that was the final rune, and so I was running to it. Or uh, I don't think you can really run, but like as fast as you can move in right. this game, you're fast and, walking. And I was not expecting anything more other than to be done with the situation. I don't know exactly. why. Exactly. And like it literally like put me on my ass too, as well as Pierce. <laughs> and I was just fucking terrified. Uh, yeah. Shambler just jumps up at you. And, Spooks you a little. Yeah. And then he goes back into the dark. And then that's all that happens. But man, was that a jump scare. It was <laughs> like you're going through all this. Like the level took a decent amount of time. So yeah. you it, like not only doing it, but also figuring it out, especially mm -hmm. if it's the first time. So if you didn't get caught throughout this, you don't even think the shamblers here. Like if you uh, did a decent amount of time on these puzzles. Like yeah. you don't get caught at all and you just think you're safe this whole time because you don't see him for a while. Yeah. 
yeah, I definitely remember screaming at that part. <laughs> but yeah, it was a it was a short little jump scare, and then uh, you actually finished the level after right after that, and then you're able to go downstairs, which is where you're supposed to go. Yeah, and then we get some uh, some trippy cutscenes where Fuller is experimenting on a dead Colden. Looks like we were too late. Yeah. We, uh, we try to stop Colden, or uh, try to stop Fuller and kill him. And then uh, a zombie Marie jumps on us and then he escapes. And then it turns out Marie was just there. So we're just fucking seeing shit. Yeah, that kind of sucked. She was there like, dead. But... Yeah, but that kind of sucked. I was really excited to grab that gun and kill him because I really think he's a piece of shit. <laughs> like, I did not... I did not want to deal with him anymore. So as soon as I saw that gun, I went for it. But yeah, then got pushed over. Such a gut punch. It's like, please let this just be like a vision. And like, because she was like one of our most supportive people. Yeah. And she's just fucking dead. Full of killing. I know. That that really sucked. Uh, After we got pushed over, um, I got up and was actually going up to the where she was laying. And I'm like, come on. Wake up. You're not dead. Come on. <laughs> You're faking <laughs> it's like in it. denial. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So and, yeah. Uh, yeah, we're down in the basement here again where the, the asylum patients are. And we find Sarah Hawkins down here. I guess we missed her the first time we were in the asylum. Yeah, um, I guess so. I think she's well, maybe we're actually a at wing. a different part. We went into a different part of the asylum at this point. Yeah. And she uh she's pretty severely traumatized and doesn't want to talk to us. And that's when we uh, we give her her son's toy that for some reason we had in her back pocket this whole time. Yeah. A little, little wooden soldier. And, that was a little uh, weird. She starts to speak to us in riddles. I started speaking to her in riddles, too. <laughs> I'm like, what is this? And uh, yeah. I saw a dialogue option that was just like some gibberish. Just got like, gook, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I started saying it and uh, it was actually really confusing and she understood me 100 percent. i'm like okay it's yeah it's funny because it's like it's one of the good ways to like get her on your side and and she's yeah. like oh you know the riddles too and yeah so it was yeah that was interesting that was an interesting part this is uh we get no no breaks here though because as soon as we leave the cell with uh sarah we start being pursued by guards yeah we start sneaking out she leads us out and then um She's just like, I was confused at this point because the first time uh-huh. the chase initially started, I actually started running back to the cell <laughs> and, then, uh, and then I found quickly found out that there's no way uh, I even closed the door and everything, hoping it would bar them out. But they just opened <laughs> the door and got me. But yeah, it, it was interesting because at first I didn't know what she was doing. She just stood by the wall. And I was just waiting for her to go. She said, follow me. She said, follow me. And then she yeah. stood by the wall. I'm like, what What? what are you doing? <laughs> and then, and then I actually to, like, intentionally get caught. And it, yeah, it is a little bit of a weird scene. Yeah. It's like, can you just like tell me there's guards there or something? Like, why did you just stand there on the side of the wall like that? And just it, it implied me to go forward ahead right yep. after you said, follow me. <laughs> you know that that part kind of peeved me a little bit but yeah so they uh they start chasing us it's a kind of like a scripted run scene 
and we lock ourselves in the boiler room. Uh, this is where all the green gas yeah. is being pumped to the patients. It's kind of, it's a gas form of the liquid from the mar- miraculous catch. So it's making yeah. people crazy and doing things to them. So Sarah, before she even will leave with us to escape the asylum, says we should destroy the gas first to, to save everyone. Makes sense. So we uh, break open the gas machine and it starts leaking all over. And you can kind of see where this is going when there's gas leaking all over the floor. And we're in a boiler room. <laughs> Start going insane. The uh, service elevator starts to come down. Yep. Mr. Uh, Ch- Charles Tenaclarm Hawkins, ready to fight. Yep. And then uh, Charles Tenaclarm Hawkins uh, picks us up and starts choking us. For an abnormally long, long time. Yeah. <laughs> we <laughs> engage in a long conversation while he's choking. Yeah. Choking it was us. like a two minute conversation <laughs> where he's just choking us the whole time. And you can see Sarah in the background the whole time. Like the choreography of the scene was just not great. <laughs> like Sarah's just standing there watching in the background the whole time. I know. Yeah. I, I understand. Like, uh, like if you were to like disable us somehow and we were just like laying on the ground and we have a conversation that way, but like while he's choking us, we have to have this entire conversation <laughs> about like what his backstory is and why he's doing what he does. Like, yeah classic villain shit like you can pick us up and do that but maybe not the whole two minutes like toss us around first and then at the the end before the climax told us up but it kind of takes us out of the immersion there it's just like okay we're really (laughs) it's a long time you've been choking me here (laughs) so uh yeah god your tentacles are slippery and gross (laughs) so he's he's holding us up there and just fucking monologuing to us He's like, I've been trying to save her from the cult and all, yeah. this, all this stuff. Because Charles isn't really like the bad guy here. He just, uh, he's he's kind of a bad guy. but Kind of, but he's not like the main bad guy. Yeah, like, like he does try to save Sarah from the cult. Like he doesn't want her to get involved with it. But he also is involved with the cult himself. So... He's a bit of a hypocrite. It's like uh, it's like good intentions, but bad practice. Yeah, yeah, definitely doing it the wrong way. Yeah, yeah, because he was abusive to her, and but yeah, he <laughs> silly boy, he caught me monologuing, <laughs> and he gets a fucking fire poker through the uh, back of his neck. Yeah, and, uh, back of his neck. Yeah, and this hardcore motherfucker pulls it out. <laughs> and proceeds to uh, lunge at Sarah. Yeah, giving her some intimate tentacle eye contact before uh, yeah, we fucking chop like, his head off with an axe. How did you do this to me? You don't <laughs> chop his head off. You just, like, you put it in his back. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. And that what ultimately takes him down. So you're telling me, okay, all right. I know he is fictional. He's a creature or whatever. We forgot to mention the whole place is on fire now because of all the gas around the room. True. But so he's probably well, going to burn a second time here. Yeah. If we leave so, him. If you leave him. There's a yeah, choice like, in this? No, I just meant like, like since we're leaving his body there, he's going to burn to death. Oh. So he, oh. he's probably dead. 
Yeah, but my whole point is, so he got shot like six times. Didn't phase him, right? Yes. Took a fire poker to the neck, pulls it out. He's still going. It takes an axe to the back of like the back, an axe to his back. That's what takes him down. <laughs> like, I, I suppose that, you, you only take so much, I guess. Is that a bit of a stretch to you? I mean, come on. Maybe he has a way to heal. Like if he keeps like ingesting some of those stuff from the catch. Maybe that would make sense, I guess. And then this was just too much trauma in a short period. Yeah. In a world where nothing makes sense that <laughs> I guess that does make sense. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of weird little things like that, but you got to shrug it off. It's just madness, right? Yeah. It's just the madness. Um, who knows if he actually died we could have just been imagining all that yeah well either way we don't see this fucker again no goodbye Charles and we take took care of him yeah and then we we get a cutscene immediately at the cemetery next with uh Pierce and Sarah mourning over Sarah's dead son so we we assume that uh the hospital probably burned down and Charles was in it yeah, I, I guess the hospital did burn down because the, the cops never went in it again. Mention it later. Yeah. but Oh, yeah, because we got accused of the fire. That's yeah. why we got arrested. So, okay, yep. that makes sense. So, yeah, then within this cutscene of us at her son's grave, we get a flashback cutscene. This game loves to do like cutscenes and cutscenes and oh, yeah. flashbacks and flashbacks, but for um like wake up scenes and wake up scenes. Yep. <laughs> we get a view from Sarah of like the actual fight that caused the fire. It was her like throwing the lamp at Charles or getting knocked over or whatever. Charles caught on fire and ran out of the room. Sarah got knocked out. Her boy was just in there, I guess. It didn't really say what happened to him. But Silas came in and saved Sarah, but the boy was already gone. Yeah. So so we finally figured out what happened at the at the manor. So they had an argument about how Sarah shouldn't be involved with the cult. Mm-hmm. And he gets really aggressive and she's scared. She tries to get away from him, throws down the oil lamp and uh, tries to escape. And uh, he ex- actually ends up on fire and he's he doesn't stop, drop and roll. They, they weren't teaching that in the 1920s. No, he just fucking kept running. <laughs> he just flails around and uh, starts running out the room. And that was what caused the evidence for us to know that there was somebody who escaped. And then I don't remember what happened after that and why he ended up getting that uh, those tentacle arms. I would assume that we are led to believe that he was feasting on more of the stuff to heal himself type of thing. Because we, we do find out later that, or there, there's hints throughout the whole game that a lot of these people that were around for the miraculous catch and they ate the, the catch are actually the same people who are still on the Island, like almost a hundred years later because it's just been keeping them alive. So I think he just went to go eat more of it and it probably like healed him, but also gave him the side effects like those, uh, those sailors were starting to have. They were turning to turn on uh, 
starting to turn into cephalopods. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. That's that's where I'm getting a conclusion, but we don't actually like know for sure. Yeah. We'll we'll run with that. That makes sense. Yeah. And we uh we wake up in our, our safe hub again in uh the couch again in the library <laughs> for <laughs> yep. second or third time and same couch. Somebody's always just dragging Pierce always <laughs> to that couch so he can this, sleep. This motherfucker's a narcoleptic. He's just falling asleep all over and <laughs> fucking Sarah had to drag him back. Right? Man, this is a lot to handle. Yeah. So Sarah and Drake are talking now downstairs and we go talk to Sarah alone for it a little bit. She seems a little more sane now than she did before. Now she's away from like the gas and stuff. She said she doesn't want to leave the island though because we want to go bring her to her father. But she wants to kill the Shambler first. So we uh, get to go speak to Drake to formulate a plan. Yep. In which they say there's an amulet in the mansion that'll protect Sarah. Yeah. And uh, he gives you a picture on what bust you need to find in order to find the amulet. And uh, bust. Well, actually, that was like a clue leading to a clue. So you went to go find the the bust, and then that gave you another picture on where <laughs> to find the actual amulet. So you went to go find the amulet there. Sarah's just fucking too hard to find. Hiding shit in her house in the most complicated way possible. I guess. This is like, yeah, somebody is making this like escape room-esque. It's like, yeah, I'm yeah. just going to put a picture of this here so you can actually know where to... Like, Sarah knows that Charles can't touch that amulet because it's an elder sign amulet. Yeah. Uh, because that's why she draws the, the elder sign on the safe. So yeah. I don't know why she like hit it, but either way, <laughs> we find the amulet and give it to Sarah because she's a fucking lazy ass. And Yeah. Uh, Bradley's here all of a sudden as well. And he's like, hey, the other officers are outside now. And uh, hmm? Pierce, Pierce offers to be the one to go out and talk to them because... Sarah being alive would be a lot more to explain than Pierce just going to talk to him. Yeah. But, but I mean, Bradley could have, I guess. He could have, but you know, Bradley's fucking useless. So, <laughs> yeah, since Bradley's another cop, he could have said something. I don't know. Maybe there'd be too many questions for him to answer. Rather than, maybe. Since we go out there, they arrest us right away, saying that we set fire to the hospital. Yeah. So then we skip to the. The jail cell where they're basically interrogating us on, you know, why'd we do it? You know? Yeah, Chief uh, Chief West is talking to us. And this is what I meant from earlier. Like, not all the cops are with the cult. Like, West just doesn't believe us about the cult. He doesn't believe it's real. And said, yeah, I'll come back and basically says, I'm going to torture you later for the truth. So, yeah. He just he just leaves us for a little while, and uh, we get to meet the Leviathan in humanoid form, but we're like yeah, underwater. Humanoid, form. yeah. Uh, this this part was kind of shocking because all of a sudden the room just filled up with water, and then you start like drowning almost. It seems like you're drowning, but I you don't drown. Yeah, it was it was crazy because like the entire room just like it started from the floor and then it started rising up. 
<laughs> I was actually kind of panicking for a second. I'm like, okay, what do I grab onto? I got to climb up here. <laughs> it's like, but then it just it went all the way up to the ceiling. You're completely underwater. And then this uh, glowing humanoid thing starts Bubble walking buddy. towards you. <laughs> <Bubble> <laughs> buddy. <laughs> that's what he reminds <laughs> me of. Yeah, he's that's just, it. He's like bubble shaped under the water. That's pretty good. Yeah. So uh, Bubble Buddy comes up. And uh, it just completely starts all the the suspense out of this. (laughs) It does. (laughs) But he's actually not that scary. He's kind of like, he's just like a glowing humanoid form approaching you in this underwater stuff or whatever. Right. So uh, he approaches you. He notices he has the same voice that he had when you first heard him in the asylum so then reveals that he is leviathan yeah he um kind of refers to like that's what the the cult refers to him as he doesn't really say or just saying he is it's not actually gendered but you know what we mean leviathan just says well you can just call me that then that's what people call me and he uh offers us a gift of knowledge to help us help bring us to the truth of existence and you get a choice to accept it or not blue or red pill i actually don't know what happens if you don't accept it i accepted it this time yeah i accepted it too i mean it's like tell me what's up i need to know because like by now you're so like you're begging for answers because there's a lot of crazy shit going on and you don't know exactly what's going on like i just want I just want you to explain to me what's going on. So that's why I did that. Yeah. And I think, I think regardless, we do this next section because I I can't see them just omitting this entire section. Yeah. Because we get to go transport into another body again into, uh, to Sarah's Sarah and Blake, sorry, not Blake, uh, Drake, uh, decide to, uh, to go off on their own since we got captured and they were going to go kill the Shambler. So yeah. they're in this, this weird mine shaft, which I guess is where the painting is at. I don't know who brought it there. But Kat is there with one of her goons. And we get like a cutscene of uh, the oh. goon getting fucking murdered. Yeah. I think she took it there because remember she was liquidating uh, all his paintings and I guess that's one of their hideouts or whatever. So I assume she just wanted to bring it down there in uh, the process of her getting it sold. Yeah. It, yeah, it just seemed weird to me. It was like one of the only paintings down there. There was was like other painting stuff, but it was like, it looked like a mine shaft. Yeah. I'm guessing it was uh, her hideout or something. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Kat, I guess, had the same idea as us as destroying the painting because she's all of a sudden, like, on her side and stuff. They don't really explain her motivations a lot, but we get to, uh, yeah, witness the Shambler killing one of the goons, which is cool. I I wish she had, like, a couple more with us. We could have seen, like, the full carnage of what it can do. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty fun to watch, honestly. It's a little scary because she uh, cat runs away and like closes the gate to lock the shambler out. And so that so her goon got trapped behind the gate and he's like begging with her and and the, the, the goon can't see it, but we can as uh, Sarah and, and Drake. So or yeah. 
Actually, I don't even know if Drake can, but Sarah can see the Shambler. So yeah. We're just all And we're, we're playing out. as Sarah, so yeah, we were able to see everything on where it is, what it's doing. Yep. So yeah, this, yeah. Is a, this is a fun puzzle area. I don't know where Kat goes. I think she just abandons us because she's the only one on the other side of the gate. Yeah, I think that's exactly what happened. Form a protective circle in the middle of the mineshaft. Or Drake does. And he says, you have to leave and go like destroy three glyphs to... I, I don't remember exactly... <laughs> Why? We just have to go, you know, rule of three, destroy three yeah. glyphs, and then uh, it'll be ready to destroy the Shambler. Yeah, I don't, I I was confused on this part, on, like, why this was, I, I, I just took it as what it was, I guess, on this. is like, okay, there's glyphs. We weaken it by doing that? Yeah. I, I guess I like to think that the glyphs were formed uh, around the painting. And uh, since we're playing as the Oracle right now, we're the ones that able are able to see it. Oh, actually, he said uh, with the amulet, he was able to reveal the glyphs. Oh, so, yes. along with making the protective circle. So that makes sense. That's what he did. And so. OK, like protective glyphs of the. Uh, of the I think painting. it's yeah, I think it's because of uh, they're in the vicinity of the painting. That you just gotta take out the glyphs in order to uh, to destroy it. I don't it know. Makes sense to me. Yeah. So we destroy those three glyphs, and this is a really fun horror esque section where you have to run out, and as you're destroying the glyph, then uh, the shambler appears, and you're pretty yeah. much just running from him back to your safe circle three times. Yeah, but it's uh, like you you can't look behind you or else you're going to die. And it's it's well, good. you can, because uh, if you turn around and you shine the light in him, he'll go blind and he gets he gets slower. Yeah, yeah. Yep. It slows him down. If Which isn't really. That. It's not really necessary to do if you know where you're going anyways. Either way, like all roads lead to Rome, like you're. Pretty much if anywhere you go, you'll eventually uh, end up in the middle anyways. So yep. it's not really necessary to turn around. I, I think in that last encounter, though, it, it was necessary because the way he came in was like right in front of you. And I think you would have caught up otherwise. I don't know. Yeah. Cuts you off there. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, after we destroy all three of these glyphs here, we meet back in the middle where we... Uh, trap the uh, the shambler in the middle and slow him down and then destroy the painting. Yeah. It, this part, uh, I don't know exactly what happened when they destroyed the painting, but uh, I think something, she just shined the light on it with the lantern. Well, no. Uh, Drake trapped the shambler in the, in the circle or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So and then he did something to kind of like banish it back to the painting. Oh, yeah. And it's chanting. Yeah. And so at least for me, when the Shambler was getting dragged back into the painting, he grabbed Drake and then pulled him into the painting with him. Yes. Similar. Like he grabs Drake 
but you have the choice to save him or not, or not really the choice. You have to act fast with your lantern and shine oh. it to save him. So, yeah, that makes if sense. If you don't do that, uh, Drake gets sucked up into the painting. Bye, bye, Drake. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know I could do anything, so I just kind of watched what happened. Yeah, I uh, I only saved him this time because I I knew from previous playthroughs that you could. Yeah, I I had let him die before. Yeah, it's it's not really intuitive. It's not like an intuitive thing to do. Most no. games will just tell you like, hey, this is this is an option. This is a point where you can do something if you I want. I suppose if they announced it, then who would say no? Like who would just right. let Drake die? So just one of those things that like uh, you learn for the future, I guess, to do a second playthrough of. I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, so Shambler's sucked back in, and for me, I, I suppose it's probably not too different. Uh, Sarah starts to hear the voices again, and Drake was trying to stop her um, from listening to them, but she starts getting like attracted to the painting, and she's chanting things as well. So, yeah, she uh, yeah, and then may she have touches gone the mad. Painting. Yeah, she touches the painting, and then... Uh... Cuts back to Pierce. He wakes up again. Sarah's very fragile, and it seems that, that fighting the Shambler and facing it again kind of pushed her over the edge. Yeah. She's losing her willpower to resist. So, we, yeah, we turn to Pierce's body and take a nap in the cell because Pierce just fucking loves sleeping. Yep. He loves sleeping. And we get to uh, awaken to Leviathan talking to us again. And at this time, we can really only reply in Rylian, which is like the, the language of uh, not not the old ones in general, but like like Cthulhu's language, I believe. Oh, of like the city of Rylian, because that's where Cthulhu sleeps. OK. Yeah, I was wondering well, what that was, but like that was the only uh, the only options like all, that. This is the part where all six of the options were just all Rylian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. In the Leviathan lets out of our cell, everything is still water, by the way, again here. And then we kind of like just walk out of the jail cell and then we're transported again to uh, to Cat's body this time. So this is uh, not a section I liked, if I'm being honest. Yeah, it was. You did not have to add a first person mechanic into this horror detective <laughs> survival game. I was a bit excited at first until I realized how uh, dull the the gameplay of it actually was. Yeah, it could have been really good. It was yeah. not, though. Because I was thinking, like, like, as soon as she pulled out the gun, I'm like, oh, shit, we're going Resident Evil style. <laughs> I, I love this. And, uh, yeah, no, like... Uh, I actually died at first because my FPS brain actually uh, pressed LT, forgetting that it was sprint mm-hmm. in this game, and oh, tried to aim right at one? the zombie, and it actually killed me at first. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, so I just shoot. It's literally just like you don't even aim; you just kind of have them in in your you, you point and click in on front of people. you. Yeah, yeah, and you just press RT, and they're dead. That's it. No aiming involved. One bullet, one body. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. It's completely trans- unnecessary, I agree. Transport to Cat's body. And the section leading up to this, don't get me wrong, is really good. 
like the the suspense yeah. of like I don't know about you, but like hordes of things has always been like a fear of mine. Like getting overwhelmed by like just a majority of of like people trying to kill you, I guess. Right. Yeah. I always get flashbacks to like uh the the mist. I don't know if you've seen that Stephen King movie. I have. Where they uh they're all picking up the one soldier and they're like all stabbing him and just just scenes like that, like it always <laughs> just bothered me. I don't like like yeah. group things where a lot of people gang up on one person. That, that yeah, that does sound horrifying. I, I guess uh, I I understand the fear. I just uh, I don't exactly have it as mm-hmm. bad. Like I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So cats uh, interrogating two fishermen here because someone killed Chief West and dumped his body in her warehouse, and she's like, "What the fuck, guys? Who's trying to frame me for this?" Yeah. So, uh, Dom Murphy here is really fucking cool. He's like, I would have liked to see more of him in the game. He's only these few scenes here. Uh, he's Cat's like right hand man. I gathered. Yeah. And he's like that slick cut, like Peaky Blinder sounding guy, and <laughs> like I, I like this guy. I, I would. Oh, you're Robert De Niro type. Yeah, he's just super yeah. smooth and like gangster. And, like a like a not like nowadays gangster but like you know like mafia gangster right yeah like he like yeah he was pretty cool to see i don't remember much of what he said but i remember he was uh interrogating all the fishermen and just like threatening them all <laughs> yeah so we uh yeah we can interrogate these guys a little bit and beat them up and then we go to see the body ourselves dom there's a, there's a growing crowd of fishermen around us. They're getting pretty angry that we were interrogating their people. So uh, yeah. Dom keeps them all like, held at gunpoint while we uh, go use our use cat's detective skills. We get this really like weird detective scene with Cat where she's mixing between realities. I don't know if it's because she's seen the Shambler painting as well. But she's starting to like do some recreation scenes and she sees like hooded figures because she analyzed like their footprints and stuff. And those figures actually start to look at her in her recreation. <laughs> and it's uh, Sarah and Fitzroy and stuff. And they're just like, you're not supposed to be seeing this. And I think that like drives her crazy a little bit. Wait a minute. That happened for you? Yeah, did you, did you not get to do the detective part there? I did the detective part, but I don't like. There wasn't anybody that started looking at me and talking to me through it. Sorry, I'll I'll trail back here. So we we found Chief West's body, and it was all bloody. And then we see that there's a blood trail. So we yeah. uh, we start following that, and it leads us out to where they where she thinks that they killed him. And then oh. she does like a recreation scene of the three people that killed him. And like two okay. of them were like Fitzroy and Sarah and they look at her. Yeah, no, I, I remember that now. Okay. I was thinking, I was thinking of when you first started going in there. Cause like there is a part where, um, when you do the reconstruction before you find the body where, uh, you like a bunch of cultists pop up and I thought you were talking about the cultists. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
but no, I, that makes sense. Yeah. So we, uh, after, after that, like weird scene where they like looked at us inside one of our own recreations and then we go outside because Dominic Murphy starts firing his gun and he's killing fishermen because they're going insane. And then we get a, uh, jumped into the really weird FPS scene where we're killing <laughs> fishermen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We only get to kill a few before we wake back up in Pierce's body, but it's it's bad. It's really it is. Bad. It is. Uh, they could totally do without all that shit. Yeah, it could have been a cutscene. It could have, and that's what I was expecting it to be too. Um, I waited like probably two seconds after she pulled out the gun, thinking it was a cutscene, and uh, I'm like, oh, oh, I have a gun now. I'm like, <laughs> oh, hell yeah. And then I found out, like, all I have to do is just look at them and press right trigger and they die. I'm like, oh, that's this is kind of lame. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, why make a shooter if you're not even going to. I mean, yeah, you're shooting, but like, that's it. <laughs> yep. So we no other element to it. Wake back up in Pierce's body again for 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 real, for real this time. And we're in our cell still. We actually didn't leave. <laughs> and Bradley lets her. Uh, lets us out of our cell and then Bradley's mind starts to be taken over like the fisherman's did. Yeah. And he's uh, starting to go mad and he tells us uh, Sarah escaped him and went to the whaling station to perform the ritual. We also get a choice here to either kill or spare Bradley. What did you do here? I, I shot the shit out of him. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Judging me for my high on life decisions. I, I put him out of his misery. Uh, I didn't, I guess that's a fair argument. I mean, he, he come on. Like he was suffering. He was, and he told me to do it. So I was granted permission regardless <laughs> of morals. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> but like, you gotta be like, I can stop the cult and then he'll be all right. I don't have to kill him. I don't know, man. I did some quick thinking. <laughs> I I did it. So I I said I'm sorry, and I shot him. You could you could also be in the right. Make like maybe he turns into one of the zombies, and that's what I was expecting too. Um, I'm like I I seen what these people turn into. You know, I'm not gonna let you get to that point. So yeah, but either way, we don't see Bradley again for the rest of the game. He's gone. Oh, really? Did you see him again? No, I I mean, like, I thought since you didn't kill him, you wouldn't see him again. Or you would see him again. No, no, he doesn't show up. Yeah, that's just where his story ends there. Okay. He's a, he was a good guy that just didn't believe us. He's, I don't know, really ambiguous, weird character. Yeah. Yeah, we uh, we leave the police station and take, uh, we took Bradley's gun because he wanted us to kill him with it. And we get <laughs> more FPS sections. Yeah, this was a lot more than I was expecting. Yeah, I get Cat's part, but like this whole part was just a lot. <laughs> I don't know if I was missing it, but there's like, is there no bullet counter on the gun either? There isn't. So you're just like shooting people one bullet per, of course. And yep. you just you don't know when you're going to run out of ammo or you if don't you can find more. You don't. and that's it yeah yeah so i i went up to uh fitzroy's cabin to investigate and you're just killing tons of fishermen on the way and 
This is where I found Cat. She was injured up in here. Yep. Um, and we also did some investigating into Fitzroy's cabin. And this is where I, I was saying that you could like miss some of this stuff about the catch, where this is where I finally found out that uh, the miraculous catch was actually just a part of the Leviathan, like yep. just a small part of him. So they were eating his tentacle. Yeah, I I found the same information. I, I believe you got it from a uh, a picture that you found. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, of them uh, like all holding it up or whatever, and it was like all a big creepy fish, and yep. like yeah, it was definitely not a whale. Yeah, it was definitely not a whale, and it's like okay, that's where yeah, that's that must be a leviathan. You can miss this because so cat's injured up here, and she asks you to get her a med pack. And in return, she will uh, give you the key to the whaling station. Yeah. You can also find Roy Mitchell, who's down on the docks injured, and he offers you the same thing. So if oh. you found him first and just completely ignored Fitzroy's cabin, you would completely miss that information. Okay. Well, that's kind of cool. Yeah. I didn't even know somebody was on the docks. Did you? Yeah. I, I, yeah, I think I was looking around because I wanted to find more ammo and stuff like that. Yeah. So, the non-existent uh, ammo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know if you could find any. If if it is, it's really well hidden. And it's not like you need it, though, because you run out of ammo with only, like, three sailors left. So. Yeah. Because I, I shot fucking everyone. I did, too. Until I ran out of ammo and uh, the cultists found me and I had to restart. I'm like, okay. I run out of ammo that much. I do know. So I actually snuck past the last three and was able to preserve it thinking I would need it, but I ended up not needing it. So that was useless. Yeah. You can just sneak past those last couple. Yeah. So everyone who uh, took part in that initial uh, miraculous catch, like Fitzroy Fuller, Charles Hawkins, not Charles Darwin, (laughs) (laughs) uh, all became part of the cults. Initially, they were like the initial cult forming in Darkwater, and yep. they all, I guess, lived a lot longer. I don't know if they're immortal. But yeah, that was all due to them eating Leviathan. Yeah. They were uh, cutting up, cutting him up and uh, eating him. And he, I think I, from what I gathered, he kind of regenerates. So he's just like an endless food source in their eyes anyways. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense that he could just be constantly feeding himself to him. I took it as that they like thought they were catching a whale and then somehow just like cut off one of Cthulhu's tentacles. And then oh. it was just big enough that it was feeding the whole island or something. No, I'm pretty sure because what we'll see later on what he actually looks like, I'm pretty sure he just keeps growing. And um, they just keep cutting pieces off of him and eating him. Yep. And that, that would make sense because Cthulhu does have the power to um, like increase his or her size like at their will. Yep. So they, they can like grow and shrink at their will and be pretty much as big as they want. Oh, okay. Uh, that, that explains a lot too. So, yeah, but we usually uh, see Cthulhu depicted as kind of like the size that we'll see here. Yeah, which is insane. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, after you get her her med kit, you actually have to... I was a bit confused by this. I was expecting the med kit to be somewhat nearby, 
Like I thought it would be something simple, but of course it's not. No, it's a it's a little ways. Yeah, it's a bit of a jaunt. You actually have to go back into the warehouse and find it. But you bring her back the med kit, and and then after that, you she tells you she gives you the key to the whaling station, and I and then the whaling station is actually out like past the warehouse where you were before going into the warehouse you have to go like yeah. past it and then Just like, like one more building <laughs> yeah one more building over so same. the town doesn't like, look I, that big yeah it's it's doesn't it's doesn't seem big at all but that's where it is kind of sneak past some enemies and you get up to it and then you get to this part where you gotta there's this uh well when he first walks in do you remember you do you remember what he said when he first walks into the whaling station, I don't know. He said something weird that didn't really sound sane at all. Maybe you were just starting to go insane because you're fucking Maybe killing I people. Was. Yeah, I was out here <laughs> killing people. We're reading <laughs> bad books. Yeah, I was reading them this well as well as playthrough. But <laughs> yeah, he went and said something completely ominous and strange uh, when he first walked mm. in. That stuck out to me. But yeah, uh, it's also. Yeah, it's an interesting distinction of like who got turned and who didn't because the barkeep Roy and cat were completely unaffected. They just wanted the med kit because they were attacked by the other people. Yeah. And some fishermen didn't turn some do like, like what's the difference? Is it just people who were like descended from people who ate Leviathan? They went, that mad? Is, I don't know. That is a good question. Um, but Bradley went mad. I don't know. Very interesting. Bradley did go mad too. Yeah. I think it's more of like the people that were exposed to it. Like maybe cat and uh, the barkeep didn't really get involved with uh, the occult, but uh, maybe uh, all the fishermen have like either seen or done things related to the cult and like add yeah, influence on them like That's enough true, influence yeah. to uh to weaken their minds yeah yeah interesting yeah so as we enter the whaling station here this uh marks chapter 13 for us which is a very good chapter i think these last two chapters are just really good in general oh yeah absolutely it's yep. it's, it's to the part of the game where you're getting a lot of cutscenes. Uh, everything's wrapping up and you just kind of get to sit back and really enjoy the story yeah. And enjoy yeah. your hard work of getting your character here. So, yeah. So we get to that puzzle of breaking the door down. Breaking the door down. I mean, it's going around finding stuff. It's pretty straightforward. And you get that, break it down, you go in. And uh, you see this, this giant, like, squid thing. You can't really get a good look at it either. Because, I mean, the more you look at it, the, the more... Um, Pierce starts freaking out. So oh, you don't yeah, want to look get at through it. the door. Yeah, after you get through the door, you Sarah's see Leviathan. It. Yeah, and Sarah's standing next to it. So, I mean, the whole objective is to save Sarah. So, uh, what, what you got to do is you got to approach Sarah without looking at the Leviathan. Because, like, you look at the Leviathan, you start going crazy. Yep. And then it's like, then you go up to her and then she disappears and uh, it, it's it's going around the level looking for her and she's like popping up in different places and stuff. Oh, you actually uh, approached her? I did. Yeah. I uh, 
I started to panic and then I just like passed out because I was oh. looking at Leviathan. I didn't realize you could like avoid it. And then I woke up in the room with just a desk. Really? And then there's a phone on the desk. Oh yeah. I remember that part. Yeah. You talk to herself a little bit on the phone. Yeah. Actually, now that you say that, that happened directly after I uh, approached Sarah. Okay, so when so I approached her, I passed out and then ended up in that dark room with the desk. Yeah. Okay. So either way, it brings you back there. Yeah. But then it was uh, a very trippy scenario. It, it, it's almost like you were on, uh, you're on some sort of drugs because uh, it was very trippy. You go through doors and you go through this infinite hallway. You know, all your standard horror movie uh, or horror game stuff like that like layers of beer does a lot of that kind of stuff yeah a lot of like rooms repeating each other and shit like it was interesting it was an interesting level you know we uh try to approach sarah again only to be zapped back to our uh, padded room with dr fuller taunting us on the outside of it yeah and then we uh have medicine in our room on a little cart and you get a choice to take it or not and did you take it i don't think i took it maybe i did what what happens yeah. if you take it i think it's just stuff that affects the ending here it okay. it looked like it was green so i'm gonna assume it's cthulhu oh there. yeah i definitely took it <laughs> oh yeah slurp <laughs> that shit right up. now that i now that i think about it at this point i kind of said fuck it and i'm like i'm gonna go i'm gonna go fuck into it, the I'm madness yeah i'm going mad you know i'm already going mad what's the point of resisting <laughs> And uh, I pretty much did all the things I definitely wouldn't do. (laughs) We get uh, another two decisions in a row here, because then after you choose to take it or not, you leave the cell and then you see cultists eating Leviathan and you get a choice to uh, join in and eat or not. Yep, I joined in. I took a big old bite. Big old scrumptious bite of the yeah, Cthulhu. But it looked delicious, so <laughs> I said, why not? Ugh. Delicious and slimy. And after this, we get our, our final choice of the section where there's a gun on the table. You have to decide to shoot Fuller or not. Yeah, because he was doing an operation on Col- Cauldron. Yeah, Colden? I'm not sure what he was doing there. Yeah, he was, I think he was working on her. Yeah, and, and then I shot that fucker dead. Oh yeah, me too. He was saying some shit. He's like, "Oh, I ho- I can't wait to do some experiments on you." I'm like, yep. "Experiment this bitch. <laughs> Experiment this lead in uh, your head. Shot right in the head." And yeah, uh, yeah we wake back up to uh, uh, fucking Fitz, not Fitzroy, <laughs> uh, to Fuller dead on the ground. Then, and we actually killed him. <laughs> it was like, "Hallelujah! Finally, <laughs> someone took care of this fucker." Yeah, and then we get another fun dreamscape after that, because we're just we're just in the madness now, and we're teleporting all over. Yeah, uh, where we do another valve puzzle. Yeah, that was that that was time consuming. That that really uh, confused the shit out of me. Yeah, on that one it it jumps us back and forth, a lot of different places, and then yeah. So you you do this valve puzzle, and then as you finish that, we get to finally go back to the whaling station. Please, for real. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And 
I guess the whaling station was set to blow because we actually like set the boilers to blow. That's what that dream sequence was. Ah, yep. And then we were trying to escape the building, but Fitzroy and all the the hooded boys stop us. Fitzroy and the cultists, which would uh, be a really good band name, actually. (laughs) Fitzroy and the cultists. Oh, hell yeah. Good, like, I'd go to it. Indie band. Yeah. Let's start a band. Yeah, we managed to uh, shoot one of the cultists before uh, they start to surround us and we we jump off the bridge into the water. Yeah, which is kind of crazy because like these people are willing to die over catching this man. One of you got shot and you're still trying to run after him like a horde of zombies. But Pierce, it's it's pointless because you're going straight to where they would have taken you anyways. Yeah, so that's true. <laughs> yeah. So we uh we're in our final chapter here. We come out of the water onto a rocky beach and we start following this uh mysterious figure up into the mountain. And then we're kind of like in the after a bit of walking in like this inner cave of the mountain and we find a painting of us and I think this one is also situation dependent. And it'll tell you like how you've done so far. Okay. So my painting, since I was like doing the madness playthrough here, was like Pierce, and he looked like almost like his flesh was decaying type of thing. Like there's a lot of red in the painting, and oh wow, just like like a ghastly version of him. Uh, I didn't get that. I think it was just a picture of Pierce. It was a pretty normal picture for me. Okay. I yeah, I can't remember the exact details. I just know it wasn't like exactly him. It was like a little more more ghastly than that. Yeah. But I, I think that's one of the determinants of how you can tell which ending you're able to get is what kind of painting you see. Yeah. We uh we then run into Colden in here, who uh is back. Maybe she's a ghost. Maybe she didn't well, die. Yeah, I mean, we don't really know that at first, but then she uh, then reveals that she is actually not real and uh, just the part of his imagination. Like, she just straight up admits that. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, so at this point, we can either deny that we're insane or just go with it. <laughs> yeah, and she's... I, like, I pretty much went with it at this point. Like I'm kind of apprehensive at this point uh, because like, do I want to, do I want to keep doing this? I definitely didn't start talking uh, really into her, but I tried to speak some, you know, wisdom, but I am afraid it was already too late anyways. And you're just speaking to yourself really. Yeah. I'm pretty much talking to myself and like, you know, I don't know what's more insane is, you know, talking to the, the figment of my imagination or actually arguing with it. <laughs> yeah. She's, she's trying to convince us to summon Leviathan. So, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. So tells us that, uh, we ask her where Sarah Hawkins is and she tells us that he, she is at the, like the, the ritual site at the top the yeah. ritual site. Yeah. There's a name for it, but, yeah, so we we start panicking, we start fucking taking off 
we're we're gonna go save her. Yeah, we uh, head up uh, a lot more steps to the top of the mountain, and uh, we get some more uh, more visions on our way up. And uh, then there's floating cultists. <laughs> so we, yeah, uh, we get we get to the top, and there's all these rocks and stuff. It's a very godly type of area. Like you, you tell it's like a some sort of. It's not a normal rock formation. It's <laughs> like kind of like squarish. It, it, it's yeah. weird. And, and like there's like candles everywhere. Yeah, and so there's just rocks floating, and we're on this like cliffside, really high up on the mountain. And there's just cultists standing on these floating rocks, and they're all over. And it's kind of like a council. Yeah, and they're amongst the crowd. You know, Sarah Hawkins comes in fully adorned in her cultist uniform. Surprise! Surprise! She's a cultist. Well, we knew she was a cultist. We were just trying to uh, save her from it, but she was also like the leader of the cult. So, yeah, like, the brains behind the whole thing. That's what gets revealed here. She's yeah, she's the oracle. She's the one that's been like prophesizing and drawing us. Which uh, yeah, like because we're the the what do you call it like we're the important cog in the, the catalyst yeah the catalyst to actually yeah. bring the old one back because we're she says we're one of the few humans in existence that can actually even perceive a fraction of what cthulhu is and no one actually says cthulhu's name i think they also refer to it as the leviathan just, or old one then yeah or just he they they kind of just don't use pronouns. They just yep. describe him and what he is. Yeah. It, it reminded me of uh, In the Mouth of Madness, where everybody's like, I can see him, or he can see you, or something, you know? Yep. Yeah, they don't want to use actual names, because those names, like in Harry Potter, have power. <laughs> yeah. Like, don't, don't speak their names type of thing. And he who shall not be named. Also with that, it's... It's like some of these words are pronounceable in English, like Cthulhu, I think is the very common yeah. pronunciation of it. But technically, like in the, the lore, because I'm a lore nerd, it's like supposed to be unpronounceable to human tongues, like these kind of names of old ones. Oh, so. OK. I, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Very interesting. That's why they uh, all have very weird names. They do. That that's probably how we pronounce them is probably not even the right pronunciation. But it it could not be. Yeah, but I mean, Cthulhu is the uh, most common version I've heard of it. Yeah, Cthulhu. Cthulhu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Drake is being uh, held captive here by Fitzroy on the sideline. I don't even know why they brought Drake. They could have just killed him. Maybe it was a motivation thing to get us to do the ritual. Maybe. They they could have killed him off and saved themselves trouble from one of the endings here. They could have. Yeah. But yeah. Drake, uh, Drake is struggling and tries to get out, but Fitzroy is holding him with a knife. And the, uh, the cultists are all chanting and Fitzroy hushes them and then they uh, bring out the ancient blade to give to us. We are uh, given our final choice of the game. 
perform the ritual and bring about the great old one or one of your other options if you were uh insane or sane enough to to earn one of the uh other endings but uh fitzroy for for this playthrough sake both of us have gone with the madness ending fitzroy chants as we complete the ritual we cut ourselves and add blood to the circle type of thing you know your normal culty shit oh yeah (laughs) this we classic uh, complete the ritual a really large storm comes about and you just see like a really big fucking tentacle and then just a brief flash of lightning. And then you see you see him, the all mighty Cthulhu. <laughs> Cthulhu. Yeah, he is fucking insanely huge. It's amazing because it's like half a second that you get a lightning flash to see him. And then it's it. It goes to black and everyone instantly goes mad and it just fucking kills each other. Yeah, but like that's a like well, it rolls the credits like after you see him, which is yes. like a good way to end it. And then it was like an after credit scene where everybody uh is just like beating the shit out of each other and killing each other. You're right, yeah. But for uh for storyline's sake, sorry, I meant that Oh yeah, no, I for, I for us it. we see in credits, but for them they just started killing each other. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like that was like a hell of a way to end it too. Like you just see a flash of Cthulhu and then it's just and then Madness. credits roll. I, I like, just I love it. And you assume that this is something happening all over the world just because Cthulhu brings uh, the end there. And yep. even Pierce is fucking shirtless because of the ritual and he's fucking beating cultists to death with rocks and he's just fucking covered in blood. And then uh, you even see Sarah beaten to death and her toy uh, from her son is next to her. And yeah, the blood of the world is all that remains and everything is plunged into chaos. It is a very dark ending. It is, but it's, it's fucking fitting and it is good. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was great. But yeah, that's uh call of Cthulhu. Yeah. Great game. Briefly, I, I won't go too much into detail because this is a game I think you guys really need to experience. And there are three other endings. Maybe I shouldn't even go too much into detail, but there is one where you can stop it. It's more of a, a good ending. And there are two other suicidal type endings that both end up leading with not summoning Cthulhu. So yeah, and uh, my challenge for you is to not go mad because the playthrough that we just did now—that is the most common ending. So do your best to take care of your sanity, and uh, I want to see and let me know. Uh, send us a message at hazardousopinionspod at gmail dot com. Uh, I want you to tell me if you got a different ending, or uh, if you got the same ending. If you played the game and I would really appreciate that. We'll yeah, both, we both would. Or just any um, alternate poop <laughs> poofs, alternate paths <laughs> that uh, you might have encountered that maybe we didn't even find in the game would be really yeah. cool to know. 
as someone who's played through this like four times, I'm sure there's still stuff I haven't found, but it's a, it's a deeply packed game full of a lot of good stuff. That's sadly held back. I think by the fact that no, no offense to the studio at all, but I think they just didn't have the entire resources to pull off maybe the beauty of some of the graphics and stuff like that and some of the game mechanics as well. But yeah, like, the story is there. Like the writing is top notch here. Uh, just the mechanics and some of the gameplay does fall short at times. It does. And I do believe if they had a bigger budget and probably more time, they probably could have made something nearly perfect in this. And it, yeah, it would have been a lot better if uh, some of the gameplay elements that they kind of brushed over would have been actually been more in depth. And uh, it feels like uh, in the first part of the game, like the little interactions that you have with people that aren't main characters are a little more interesting than, you know, going through the rest of the game where everybody who isn't a main character doesn't really get interacted with at all. Yeah. I feel like if, if they wanted to, they could have really capitalized on that, but who knows? Yep. Well, as Eric said, you can always reach out to us by our Gmail account. If you have Instagram, shoot us a message at hazardous opinions pod on there. Other than that, do you want to announce our game for May, April? I'm losing my months already. (laughs) Our game for May. So for May? Sorry, March. March. I'm I'm really fucking losing it. (laughs) So our game, our next game for March is another horror game. It is Soma. If you never heard of it, it is a uh, kind of like a sci-fi horror game uh, with like some a lot of like creepy vibes to it. I, I played a little bit of it before and I loved how creepy it was and I, I'm excited to go through it fully this time and I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, it's good stuff and I look forward to it. But yeah, other than that, reach out to us and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts. Or if you're leaving a rating one to five stars on Spotify, shoot us a message after since I don't think you can leave a formal review. Just tell us what you think and why you put the stars that you did. We'd love to hear it. Awesome. And as always, send your video game and movie suggestions to those two social meds as given. All right. That's all I have. That's me too. Alrighty. See you guys and stay sane. Later.